Restaurant Unstoppable episode 700 with Mario Del Perro. And I, and I go back to it. If you're going to pull a nugget, um, I highly encourage whether you're a full service restaurant or a fast casual or even a QSR that you create these semantics because, again, we go back to culture. Culture is a way of speaking, right, that helps define. It's a way a group speaks, and it's rituals of group practices. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable for years restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants and they finally got it restaurant 365 is a cloud-based all-in-one restaurant specific accounting and back office platform that seamlessly integrates with pos systems payroll providers and food and beverage vendors head over to restaurant 365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30 percent off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365, a value of $5,000. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365, a value of $5,000. Ladies and gents, you've got to own your presence online because that's where your first impressions are made. Good thing there is Bento Box because Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their websites. To learn more about Bento Box and how it can empower you through your website, head over to getbento.com slash unstoppable. And because you are a restaurant unstoppable listeners, you'll save 50% off your setup fee. Again, that's getbento.com slash unstoppable. What's going on, Unstoppables? I am excited to deliver this episode to you. Episode 700, we got Mario Del Perro back on the show. Uh, Mario was one of my earlier guests. Not too early. I think it was maybe two and a half years ago. I can't remember exactly when. Uh, in the 400s is when I had Mario on the show for the first time. And I just had to get him back on the show. And this is kind of the new direction I've been wanting to take Restaurant Unstoppable. I mean, there's there's so many more people I want to get on, this, on the show, but there's also a ton of people I've already had on the show that I would love to get to know better. I would love to dive in deeper to. Mario is absolutely one of those people. So while I was out in Los Angeles, I made sure to uh, pay him a visit to get him on the show again. And I'm so happy we did. We really when I when I last had him on the show, uh, we were we were kind of short for time, and I had a, a kind of start moving the conversation forward. And there were just so many questions I wanted to ask that I wasn't able to. And today we picked up right where we left off, specifically around scaling culture. And um, the questions I wanted to ask him more about uh, were around this idea of rituals in your business and also coaching, uh, which is what he attributes to. Um, 
his ability to, to scale uh, Mendocino Farms without losing that intense culture that they've created. Uh, we dive into that today. Uh, specifically, we go real deep into uh, the role of, of um, rituals and coaching. We also talk about uh, outworking your competition, being a professor of the business, uh, what the unstoppable mindset looks like, constant innovation. Uh, this is doing what you already do better, innovating what you already have, not innovating new things, but constantly improving what you already have, how scaling culture really has to do with scaling GM. So tracking your GM's routine, their progress and their potential. Then we also talk a little bit about why if you start a restaurant in an urban setting, testing it in suburbia before you choose to scale. Lots of great stuff in today's episode. It's a long one, so let's just get into it. And if you haven't listened to Mario's first episode, I highly, highly suggest you do that. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 414 and get caught up. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you back on the show for a second time, Mario Del Perro. Mario, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? <laughs> Eric, uh, when, when asked that way, it's really hard <laughs> not to feel unstoppable. But uh, to be honest, like, you know, so, so since this is my second rodeo and I really appreciate getting to come back and, uh, and, and be on your show, um, you know, I, I think a lot about like what, um, you know, some people are good at what they do, um, but what truly makes individuals unstoppable. And, you know, I really don't think unstoppable is a feeling, you know, it, that's, it'd be so temporary, right? I really believe unstoppable is a mindset mm. and it's a mindset based on so much preparation. So am, am I feeling unstoppable? Yes, but it's beyond the feeling. It's, I, it's, it's in the mindset. Yes, I love it. It's so true. And I think the first time we, I um, asked you that question, you said something along the lines of this industry. It's, it's so, so ironic that I named Restaurant Unstoppable, Restaurant Unstoppable, because in this industry, there's so many things that can stop you. That's and right. To have that men- mentality, like I'm unstoppable. Yeah. Like none of these, these hurdles, which I will come across on this journey, are going to stop me. And you have to have that. that it's like that. It's, it flips that switch in the frontal lobe of creativity where nothing can stop me. I'll find a solution, right? Yeah, I think that um, I think that you end up having uh, a collection of tools. Yes, uh, that allow you to up- overcome challenges that you're facing, and, yeah. and for that matter, it's 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 so not an individual sport. It's such a team sport too. So I definitely have a lot of thoughts around uh, how you get to be unstoppable, and don't we'll necessarily know that that's for the individual. It's uh, for the person that actually knows how to create a great team. Yeah. And, um, just for you listeners at home, if this is your first time hearing the name Mario Del Perro, uh, make sure you go back to episode 414. I'll link to it in the show notes, but Mario was one or one of my earlier guests, well, halfway through a middle range guest. Um, and what I'm trying to do going into the future, one of these, uh, aha moments I had is I don't need to get new relationships. I just need to go deeper on the relationships I have. And that's exactly what we're here doing today. I'm going back to the people who really left an impact on me. And Mario, you were one of those people. Great interview. I highly recommend you. You are a great guest and no pressure to, to, to show up like you did last time, but go back to episode. 
episode 414. Uh, get caught up because we're going to pick up today's conversation yeah. where we left off, and you won't regret it when you do. Uh, but in Should case, I have listened to episode 414? Nah, nah, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in case you're not uh, listening to my advice, I'll fill you in on who Mario is. Mario Del Perro grew up in his family's meat processing, biz- meat processing business. He would go on to study uh, international relations at the University of Southern California and was on the path of becoming a career lawyer. Instead, he took a job as at a Mexican grill where he started as the barbacks back. Eventually, he became the director of operations at that Mexican grill. And in 2005, uh, Mario, along with his wife, Ellen Chen, opened Mendocino Farms Sandwich Market in Southern California. 15 years later, uh, they have grown their business. And the last time I had you on the show, you're around 17 or 18 locations. Yeah. Where are you today? 33. 33. And this is yeah, crazy. Two and a half, three years just, ago. Just broke 100 million in sales this last year at the end man. of the year. And, uh, and average unit volumes last time we yeah. spoke were maybe two, three million or now four million. Oh man. Crazy. Well, yeah. Congrats. I can't wait to find growth. out how you guys did it. And that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna yeah. talk about how you guys did it today, what you've learned since our last chat. And I left that that intro really doesn't do you justice because we we dive into all the other things you had yeah. going on in between um, working at the Mexican grill. Yeah. Feels like five lifetimes ago yeah. as you're saying it. I'm like, <laughs> so um, I don't even make remember sure college. I, I can't emphasize going back and listening to episode 414. Uh, okay. So, okay. Before we dive in, um, like always, it's a tradition here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Let's, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Success quote or mantra. Um, one that is that really kind of resonates that I obviously say uh, so much that my first director of operations, uh, first operations partner, we gave him equity in the company, actually got it uh, tattooed on his arm. And let me tell you, it wow. was not small. <laughs> um, it was his entire forearm. And it was my quote, uh, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Mm. I'm pretty sure that I stole it from a league of your own. Uh, Jimmy Dugan <laughs> said it, uh, but it, but it, it continues to resonate, um, you know, when, with hard times, you yeah. know, to just remember that, you know, we're, we're in a place where that growth, um, uh, can be mitigated, right? We're, yes. we're, we're, we're up to the task. Yes. Um, and then the other one that, that, completely stays with me and has, has been a theme. It's been a theme of, of, of so many of the processes and tools that, that we continue to practice at Mendocino farms. And I continue to practice personally, but that would be, um, you know, literally the name of the book, but, um, but that, but the quote, uh, good is the enemy of great, um, from the book, good to great, uh, by Jim Collins. And it's, I think it really resonates in, in, in what we were just talking about that so many people are, um, really good at what they do, um, but how few are actually unstoppable. Yes. And I think that there's um, real lessons yeah. um, that, that can be taken from that. And I think greatness comes from that first quote, which is, if it was good, everybody would be doing it. And I think that there's this this reoccurring uh, theme I see in a lot of consultants that are out there, people who are like drinking the Kool-Aid, trying to say, like, oh, this is how you become rich. This is the secret. To this. There's a lot of truth to it. But at the same time, I think there's this culture in America right now where like it's not a good thing to work in your business. Right, where like it, it's almost like it, the 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 hard path will get you to the place where you can eventually work on your business. But yeah. becoming great, I think, is also like putting the work in and like getting to the point where you're like where you don't want to sit on a beach because you love what you're doing so much or, or you're leaning into the hard work, right? Like there's this mentality of like if you're working, you're doing something wrong, right? Yeah. Like, do, do you uh, agree with that? Or well, you know, look, you know, I uh, 
I've had a lot of time uh, to reflect, um, you know, about kind of how Mendo has, has gotten where it is today. And for that matter, how, you know, how I, I've gotten to where I am today. Um, just in the last few months, uh, uh, my, my co-founder and I, you know, stepped down from the day-to-day of, of Mendo after 15 years. Um, and of course the first thing, you know, is, uh, what's next. Mm. Um, but I think, uh, uh, just pausing and asking myself uh, before what's next, uh, how, how did we get here? And this last few months of, of really, you know, thinking about how, how that happened. And then in the same time, you know, obviously uh, there's been, you know, horrible tragedy, you mm. know, here in Los Angeles, but to have ripples um, globally. And that's uh, Kobe Bryant's passing. Yeah, I can only so, imagine what it feels. Um, we're in LA right now recording this. So I can only imagine yeah. what the, the feelings are like echoing throughout this community. So I'm sorry to hear about that loss. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, obviously, you know, for his family and all the other people. Uh, and, and, and I by no means, you know, attest to being a, a student of Mambo mentality. Um, but we've definitely gone back and listened uh, to some podcasts and watched a, a lot of documentaries um, with with both of my children who are um, really, you know, excellent athletes, but, you know, pretty thoughtful humans. And, and you know, the takeaways definitely resonate in some of the some of the takeaways that that I've thought about on how, you know, Mendo's gotten to a certain spot and you know, and some of the things that just jump out for you is, is, you know, you know, if there was three big takeaways from listening to all of the different documentaries, the first one was, um, outwork your competition, mm. right? So this idea of, you know, Kobe getting up at four thirty AM in the morning, why? Cause no one else was willing to, Yeah. right. Um, uh, you know, working out even when he was traveling and not going out and partying. Right. And I think it's almost to outwork your competition is just table stakes right at this point, particularly even in the restaurant space. So I think you have to work hard, but to your point, um, I think it's even more important if you were to look at what allowed Kobe to be great is, um, is to work smart and to out study, uh, mm. the competition, you know, they, they, they went into detail that he would watch game film, but he was specifically with no ego. I mean, he had plenty of ego when he got on the court, but with no <laughs> ego, would watch, you know, his opponents and the footwork and to see if he could create an edge or if they did something special, if he could replicate and improve see upon it. Coming. it. Yeah. And I think where it's lost often, you know, with, um, in the restaurant space is the people that, uh, and the groups that have really become unstoppable, you know, are able to really go in and, and study their competition. Mm. Right. And really be, you know, I'd mentioned being a student of the business. I think you actually, I'm going to take it one step farther. I think you need to be a professor yeah. of, of your space, it right? It never stops, right? And the really stops. looking yeah, yeah. At, at, at that for that inspiration, the innovation, the small little details, yeah. you know, breaking down the packaging yeah. that a competitor might have or how they're handling third party delivery. And then the last one, that, that has resonated. And I don't know if I would have pulled it had I not um, been in this place and, 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 and watching some of these documentaries is, is truly um, Kobe's love, um, loving the pursuit of being the best, mm. right? This idea that uh, he wanted to play against the best team with the best competitor, right? Because he knew that it elevated his yes. game and he, and, he, and, he, and he desired that. Yes. And I, I look at some of the people in the restaurant space and I'll hear things like, 
you know, them doing non-competes, trying to keep every one of their maybe competitors away from doing business against them. And you have to start to ask yourself, why are you not good enough? Well, that, right? that's the other thing. Are but you, also, it's like your responsibility to empower the people around you so they can go on and do something. Like that's the kind of the the natural order, is it not? Absolutely. I mean, uh, a, a great mentor of mine, um, John Mackey, you know, truly believes that uh, his competitors are actually stakeholders in his business. Yes. Because they allow them or, excuse me, force them to uh, continue to be better and to innovate. Um, and, and I truly believe that, that, you know, that, you know, taking those elements from the Mamba mentality. So, so yeah, so look, um, you have to ask yourself in, in a real restaurant terms, what's the recipe that, that I think, you know, creates unstoppable or what helped Mendo, you know, get to where it is. And it's, it's not necessarily replicating, but I, I would say number one, you know, I remember finding not being a student of the business, but really being a professor. You know what I mean? Really going in deep, um, analyzing, understanding not just your menu, but where your competitors are yep. and, and where necessarily they're going and more so what your guest needs, not necessarily always what your guest is asking for, but what your guest needs yes. and to be able to lead, you know, in that way. Um, and there's so many brands that I continue um, to be inspired by while Many would go, oh, they're competitors. And I'm like, no, they're, they're stakeholders in Mendo. I truly believe Sweet Greens is a stakeholder in Mendocino Farms. They continue to offer to their guests, not necessarily things that are asked for, um, but things they believe they need. Um, their, their level of supply chain and trying to figure out how to scale. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, you, you, the first quote that comes to mind is that, that Ford quote where if I gave the people what they wanted, I would have given them faster horses. Right. Right. But they don't, people don't know that when people are so close to the thing they don't know what they need. That's and so by good. Nature, humans yeah. are reactive. We react to what's going on around us. We don't get perspective. We don't get that outside perspective sometimes. So when you're a professor, you see the big picture. You, you, That's right. You don't, the people don't even know what they need, but when you're studying yeah. it all the time, they're, you get that different angle, right? Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, actually, I mean, it, it, just a, just a comment. Uh, uh, Nicholas, uh, found one of the founders of uh, of Sweet Greens, had you know, it, it made a comment like, I, "Our guests didn't ask; they just came out with a kelp salad. Our guests didn't ask for a kelp salad, <laughs> right?" But in fact, you know, we, it, it really aligns with our values. It aligns with sharing with them, you know, um, new ingredients, but in a craveable way. Yeah, but more so, it's it's. You know, the, the the bigger meaning is is we're we're doing a chef collaboration with David Chang, right? And I really saw, offering yeah. and really um, sharing with people that that might not be able to experience David Chang's food. Definitely not on a daily basis. Wait, are you doing that collaboration as well? Because I, I was at Sweet Greens earlier in the week because I actually yeah. had um, the founder. His name's escaping me right now. Obviously, you know the founder of Sweet Greens. Um, so, yeah. so get that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The the founders of uh, Sweet Greens are uh, Nathan, uh, Jonathan, and Nicholas. Okay, you know, I actually had tender. It was tender greens. I had a show. It was Eric Oberholzer. That's the name. Oh my god, so, I mean, Eric's Eric is is one of my soul brothers. <laughs> yeah. like, like one of my one of my great friends in the industry, and but, definitely a. A thought leader. You mentioned something like um, we think of ourselves as professors, right? But I think we yes. also have to think of ourselves as uh, neighbors because these are your competitors. Uh, uh, but at the same time, 
they're your best friends. Yeah. And it's that and whenever we, I think this is something I see all the time. Like when my travels around the nation in the past two years, right? We talk to people and they say, oh, like that, that group, those, those, those successful restaurateurs are a click and it's yeah. impossible to get into the click or do you to see them <laughs> as a click and you haven't tried to approach them yet? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like usually these people are where they're at because they are open with their knowledge and they are neighborly and they are warm. And they are generous. Right. Uh, do you want to reflect on that? Uh, <laughs> not so uh, much. No, I no, I absolutely will. So, so I I will say from you know from being someone that is friends um, with the people that you just described that it's not a click <laughs> that it that you know all of these individuals are are so absolutely open and I believe they that that many people in their old ways of thinking. Um, would assume that um, that every good idea that any of us have is a competitive advantage of which we would never want to share with anyone. And I think that there's been a group that kind of came up. We all kind of came up in the last like 15, 10, yeah. 15 years of people that are like-minded and believe that all of these good ideas um, are really open source. Yeah. And really, actually, we, we need each other yep. to elevate. So, why well, I said, you know, Eric, Eric and I are close on m- multiple reasons, but uh, one of the things that people didn't know is for years and years, Tender Greens and Mendocino Farms shared vendors. We shared supply chain ideas. And, and we did so because it helped both of our brands, because it helped these farmers have enough volume to be able to, to, uh, service both of us yes. better. Yes. Um, so it, it worked. So I love, I love that idea of neighbors. Right. But I think going back to the thought of being a professor is I think that not only do you have to be a student, um, but from being a student, you can then be an innovator, right? Mm. It's not here to just copy, right? And there's plenty of, I mean, you can go and see brands that are just ridiculous sweet greens knockoffs or horrible tender greens knockoffs. I mean, literally using the same plateware as tender greens. Um, but to truly study from these brands and then, and then make it your own. Mm. And I think that by being a professor, right, that you're able to then write that new thesis. And I think it's important to, um, to, to innovate in that way. And then, and then the, the other two, sorry, you know, things that came from thinking about what the unstoppable mindset was, was um, surrounding yourself with a team and partners that complement you. Um, and and I, I think that I was definitely earlier on in my career, and we've obviously scaled so much since then. I have such a massive appreciation for my co-founder, Ellen Chen, and how much she uh, really led the company and played so many different hats that she was far better at than I ever would have been. Likewise, um, some of my greatest aha moments have actually come from um, bringing senior leadership in um, that really had watched maybe not this movie, but other movies play out and were able to bring that kind of knowledge, you know, you know, to the group on how to scale and how to do it in an effective way. And I think that when I when I look at what is that unstoppable recipe, right, it's not necessarily an individual, but it's but it's great teams. Yes. Um, and then the last one is evolve or die. And I think that, that so many, um, restaurants, you know, have, um, a good, good one store, good, maybe two or three stores. I, I love that you're so close to the mic that you're moving. Cause I told, yeah. I told Mario, get you as did. close to the mic as possible. And he's, he's listening to my advice. I'm literally almost <laughs> eating it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, Keep going. I, I'm tickling it with my tongue. Um, anyway, so at, at the end of the day, um, 
I, I think a lot of brands um, forget they 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 rest on their laurels and don't continue to um, evolve. And and some of these iconic brands that I've been able to get really close to, um, to see, you know, it's not necessarily always seen from the guest perspective. But they're but they they they're in constant evolution. I mean, you go and look at a brand like Cheesecake Factory and how they've been able to sustain yeah, until how great too. they are. It does just until recently, but Sam Fox, right? I mean, like, is that crazy? We we'll talk about always evolving, like right? Cheesecake Factory, big massive corporation, yeah. right? The enemy, quote unquote. Some people might say, mm-hmm. but at the same time, look like they're looking and they're in their turn around. They're looking to the all stars, right? Yeah. These people that the the homegrown heroes, right? Yeah. And they're and they're tying their brain to the, those people like sam fox like the king of phoenix uh, yeah. in the no, I mean, scene, right? probably one of the most thought leaders in in, in the nation as yeah, far so as innovative concepts if that's not evolving yeah. i don't know what it is yeah no um but you know even prior to that but yes that's a great example of of a type of company and, and why they would do that but that was already in their dna mm. if you go and look at the, the amount of evolution from training um around the food um, the processes that they've brought, um, the talent that they surround themselves with there. It's, it, it, it is no doubt, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not luck that cheesecakes had the success yeah. that it has. I think I th- we're going to transition into yeah. that scaling. Cause that, that's where we All left right. off. I have one question before we transition, please, now. please. Um, you're talking about, uh, you know, you need, professors also need to be innovators. What happens once you've innovated? Do you, what do you do with that information? Do, I mean, obviously you apply it in your own business, but does it end there? Do you share it beyond your own business? Well, um, I, th- I think that there's, there's lots of fields and lots of ways, you know, to innovate. Yeah. So I wouldn't just put it, you know, down to the R and D team around culinary. Um, so, you know, we're obviously sharing it with the world. So anyone else that wants to come taste the food, um, um, we're, you know, we're not, I'm not necessarily, se- <laughs> I'm, I'm not necessarily sending, um, uh, recipes, you know, to Eric at tender greens. Right. Um, but um, I'll, I'll tell you what, a, a great vendor, you know, um, or a great artisan product, um, we will share and we do want to promote it. Um, because again, it continues to help this greater ecosystem, right? This greater yeah. neighborhood and community that we're, that we're building. But there's so many other places to innovate that people forget around training, probably the greatest and training involves everything. As I said, yes. from recruiting, yeah. right. Um, all the way to, um, to how, what is the ongoing training? Yeah. Um, Coaching. How, how do we coach, you know, uh, you know, our team, are we innovating in that? Um, and then in, uh, I will say that innovation is in all the different processes and continuing, um, not to put processes on top of processes, but the evolution of processes as you get bigger, right. And asking yourself these really big questions, how do we scale our culture? Right. Um, so when I, when I think of innovation, I think that there's massive opportunity to continue to share, um, innovative pieces with like-minded restaurant groups. Cause at the end of the day, what we're all trying to do, um, is something more than just put some money in our pockets, yes, right? Dude, I- it's to, it's to, it's to create incredible experiences for our guests, right? It's to, um, it's to bring neighborhoods together and create neighborhood gathering places. It's to, um, elevate people's lives yes. through, uh, through, um, craveable food and, um, enlightened experiences. So, so all of those things, right. Feed this way bigger yes, deal dude. than, than oh just like, gosh. so to be able to share that with like-minded restaurant groups, like 
like you would be off mission. You'd be unaligned with your values to not want to do that, right? I am squirming in my seat right now. Man. I'm <laughs> loving what you're giving me. I'm tempted to, to go someplace, but I'm going to save this for later because I feel like it might uh, serve us better later in the conversation. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, I want to pick up where we left off. And we're kind of getting, we're, we're circling around that conversation okay. right now. Um, the last thing we discussed the last time you were on the show were uh, three... Um, let me scroll my notes real quick. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. Sorry. Three buckets that you identified as um, how to scale culture. Okay. Right? Those three buckets were recruiting and assimilating the right team. Yeah. Uh, the second one was living the rituals. And the third one was coaching. Um, I think we got pretty good into recruiting and assimilating the right team. We, we, yeah. we pulled layers back on that. So again, listen to episode 414. Some questions on living the rituals. You were you started sharing some of the rituals. Why are rituals so important? Get into that. Dissect that for me. Yeah, I mean, um, let, let's take one step further back. Um, I often hear, as you probably do, we have a great culture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not quite sure I've ever run into a business that wouldn't say um, they either have a great culture or inspire, like, like want to have a great culture. Yeah. Um, but, or the other thing is they, they point at what they wrote their culture down as this yeah. is our culture. Yeah. Do, well, what's going on over here? <laughs> do you see the quote we have on the wall? Yeah. <laughs> right. In HR. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Or in, or in the manual yeah. first cover of the manual. Yeah. Um, so w- one of the things that, uh, that, that my business partner, Ellen Chen and I, you know, first did, or this is early years, um, was ask ourselves like, like, what is culture, mm. right? And, and we came down to, we, we boiled it down to like two items. The first one is um, how, how a group of people talk to one another. Yep. And then the second piece is the rituals they practice. Okay. So those two things divide, if we think about any culture, um, you know, you can bring it into other things, but those, if you really boil it down, how they speak to one another, right? And the rituals that they practice help bond them, bind them. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so the first one to how we speak to one another. And I think I talked to you that, you know, that we've, we've just, you know, we've defined a, or and really created a coaching methodology that we practice at Mendocino farms. And in fact, it was interesting if you get to books. So we're, we're actually coming out with a book. Yeah. That's what you um, mentioned the it. first yeah, time. Called, and I was going to so ask you the finally, process on that. You know, to, to be frank, it, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was definitely serendipitous, but the uh, an individual that actually taught me um, this kind of cutting edge leadership technique when I was 18 years old that really kind of um, inspired this style of advocate coaching. I ran into at a Mendocino Farms really um, not more than a year ago as I'd been working on the book and um, and actually uh, the book's way better now and he's the <laughs> co-author and his name's nice. Scott Greenberg unbelievable uh, motivational speaker speaks at a lot of franchises okay um just a just a thought leader in the space and um and we've we've completely made it so the so side note book's not out yet it's it's going to be way better i searched for it so obviously me. yeah yeah it, <laughs> it probably would have not been nearly as good and, hey well now I'm, it's, I'm willing to make another trip back to so, la when it goes live so it's called the coaching cure yeah and we, we can think, we can uh, i think we're gonna we're, we're gonna talk a little bit about coaching so maybe we okay. can have a teaser for that so book. so um so obviously you know one is how we speak to one another mm-hmm. and, and mendocino farms whether you're at uh, a Mendocino Farms up in Santa Clara, or you're you're in a Mendocino Farms, you know, in uh, in La Jolla, um, that manager, right? Just not just general manager, the assistant managers have all been taught um, uh, Mendo speak, right? So so you could actually 
um, if, if, had I not spoken Mendo speak and I walk into a restaurant <laughs> and I start yelling at someone yeah. or, or, or just acting like, you know, a complete horse's ass. Um, even though I'm, I'm one of the co-founders of Mendo, someone could actually call out that was very not Mendo of you, <laughs> which is powerful, it is. right? Yeah. That we, that we've actually created a vernacular yes. that's so divine that that's, that's the Mendo way of saying it. Mm. Um, the, the next thing is the rituals, right? That we practice. And I think that you can, um, you can create some beginning rituals and then, um, and then it's amazing when you start recruiting, right? Your own village, your own community of people that are thinking like-minded rituals continue to grow. Um, I remember walking in and, and, um, that's a, that must be the true, uh, testament to a culture is that it evolves without you. Yeah. Right. In the oh, right yeah. direction. Sorry. Oh yeah. Going. No, no, no. So, so one of the, uh, the rituals, uh, um, that, that, uh, we had created is we, you know, we have, we have these eight values and, um, and on a weekly basis at the pre-shift, every single team member needs to share how they're going to live that value, um, that day in their, in their specific job. How I'm going to live the value, right? Yes, that it's, was. It's by the way something we learned from the Ritz Carlton. So it's just completely. Oh my God, I'm thinking about the Ritz Carlton yeah. right now. Oh, yeah, I had a Herb Schultz on the show, and he oh, wrote no the 24 standards of service. So, okay, there you go. Yeah, listen to Herb Schultz's episode if you're interested in what we're talking about. There you go. See, I'm I'm helping you yeah. uh, get you know get more podcasts to yeah. go back to. Yeah. So obviously, genius company, and we took that piece you know from them. Um, well, I'm listening to this pre-shift. I'd walked into uh, our seventh and fig restaurant, and all of a sudden, I, I hear this like debate break out amongst team members, and they're um, they're using um, their regulars cards. So all of our team members have regulars, right? We believe, um, and they, they and we out of you know setting the table, they collect dots. Uh, based on Danny Myers, you know, so they have all these little nuggets of information about each one of their regulars and they go into this, like this, this deep debate about like calling out regulars names and why they want to be the, 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 the fan of the day. And I, I go to the general manager, I go, what's the fan of the day? Like it did <laughs> not come from us, right? It had not yeah. come from my co-founder or myself. He goes, Oh, it's something the team came up with. You know, we obviously, you know, create regulars and we collect dots or these little nuggets of information about them. So I let them choose whatever fan of the day. And if that person walks in, we all celebrate and buy them lunch, but they don't know oh, if they're going to so be fan cool. of the day. But, that, but knowing that there is a fan of the day must make yeah. you wonder, like, I wonder if I can get on, like, like it makes you want to show up even more. Right? I, I, you know, I hope, probably I not hope, the, but the like. But what a soulfully in line yeah. thing that they came up with. And, and trust me, within like three weeks, um, I called our C, uh, COO, Steve Mincer, and I'm like, the best idea came from the team from 7th and Fig. And now it's, it actually is ingratiated in every one of our stores. If you walk in, you'll see a fan of the day board, but it was completely created by the team. Yeah. And um, this is kind of reminding me of something. I need to step in real quick because I think yeah. it's really important. You mentioned in our first interview the the, the importance of when you go and you check in on other Mendocino farms, different regions, right? Yeah. You don't go to like say what they're doing wrong. You're looking for the gold. Right. Yeah. And I think this is an example of mining for gold. Yeah. Uh, you never know how your culture is going to scale, but you know yeah. it when you see it. And when you do see it, that's when you document it. Right. Yeah. And that's when you become, it, it, you create a ritual around it. Right. So you don't yeah. need to know on day one, what your rituals are, who you yeah. are. Like these are things that happen after 
one year, two year, three year. Yeah. And like it, they evolve, yeah. you know? So I feel yeah. like a lot of people listening to this might be having an anxiety attack or panicking. Like, we need rituals. I don't have any of these things. <laughs> I don't have, like, you don't know yeah. right away. And you're constantly evolving and yeah. culture can change. Like culture yeah. can shift, right? Yeah. Um, so don't be sweating it right now. If you don't have these things, they come with but, time. Just be mindful of them and document them when they happen. I, I would, I would say be mindful, but I think, you know, to just to add to that, I think you need to be actively really looking for them. Mm, I mean, we had, um, you know, uh, we pulled a ritual, um, you know, from a full service restaurant group, um, that was, you know, first guest, best guest, last guest, best guest. Yes. I have so, that one written down. So, you know, so, so every time, and, and it really, it came out of, um, we do such high volume at lunchtime that um that w- some of our our biggest complaints either on Yelp or people emailing me or calling me was oh my god i came at 11 o'clock or 11:10 when you open and it took 30 minutes for you to make a sandwich now they didn't realize we were trying to get thousands of dollars of catering yeah. out the door but th- they they don't care and nor should they yeah it's not right? their problem they came there for a sandwich the yeah. mere fact that they walked in at 11 o'clock is that they should be able to get a sandwich as fast, yeah. right, as someone that's ordering it at 11.45, yeah. right, when the line, you know, is better set. And we had to actually make a commitment financially to, you know, to even bring people in earlier to make sure that first guest could be best guest. Mm. And we actually call it out, and it's loud, and it's noisy. We actually have to warn the guest. <laughs> we super apologize, but this is a ritual we practice. Everyone is going to scream. <laughs> um, I'm going to yell first guest and they're going to yell best guest. Yes. Are you okay with it? And, um, I mean, one out of 10 might say no. And we do it a little softer nine out of 10. It, it can literally wake the dead. <laughs> um, and, and likewise at the end of the day, you know, the, you know, our stores, you know, have, have been, you know, successful enough that the team is just beat, you know, yeah. the, you know, from the battle come closing time. But, but that, that should not affect the guests walking in at 855 when we close at nine or for that matter, 903, yep. right? Being turned away. Yes. Um, and can we practice that? And so it was a ritual that came out of necessity that we were inspired by other brands, right? Yes, dude. So I, I would say actively seek out those rituals. Um, but at the same time, stay open to your team, creating them organically. Yeah. And we're kind of circling around the why right now, but I don't know if we've quite like uh, exposed why well, rituals uh, are so important. Know, oh, sorry. One, one more ritual that super jumps out for me, but you know, I, I'd been asking, you know, um, John Mackey, you know, who's been a mentor and a whole foods market, you know, as a minority investor in Mendo. Um, but one of my questions was was simply like, what do you think? Like, like what are one of the tools that you've ha- you've implemented that's helped you scale your culture, right? And it was interesting. He, without hesitating, said appreciations. Ooh. And I, I go, what are those? I mean, I I know what an appreciation yeah. is, but like, what is the process? Explain this. Yeah. And he said most meetings, if not all of them, um, when it's in a group, is to set the tone that we are all um, engaged and appreciative of the people that are in this room. So while we might disagree or we might have some level of, of conflict or discourse that we all are united and appreciate one another. So we start the meeting with going around and people from the last meeting mentioned to people in the group, what they specifically appreciate about them. That's so right? important to be seen though. I mean, like it's powerful. Yeah. I mean, being powerful seen is like on the third, you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like it's, it's 
I always, my listeners must be banging their head against the wall right now, but Hey, rituals <laughs> deal with it. Um, <laughs> the first one is, you know, just food shelter, right? The second one yeah. is security. Am I, do yeah. I feel secure? The third one is being a part of something and being yeah. recognized and yeah. being seen and being valued. Yeah. That is so important. It's like, uh, like the, the third thing that you can do or like the, the first thing you can do that isn't like essential for like survival. Right. Yeah. Um, so sorry, I just had to put a little, I need to no. lean into that for you. Love that. You're um, going deeper. I love it, man. Nice. I love okay. it. Uh, I compound. I get, I, I just, I love the stuff that I, it's hard for me not to sometimes. Um, but the, when I said we're circling around the, the, the significance of, and this is probably one of the things you learn from our friends over at um, the Ritz Carlton is it's not enough to say that this is who we are. Like these rituals are what make people act them out every day. And it's not, you, you have to create ways to whether during it's a pre-mail or whatever to like bring back your core values or bring back your standards of, of operations or wh- whatever way you can highlight your values or your standards or your culture any part of it, you could have find ways to interweave them into your day to day so they, they aren't forget forgotten and that they, they come out in the service every day. Um, and that's why these rituals are so important. I don't know. Is, do you uh, want to add to that? Am I, or do you disagree? Like, I don't want to put words into your mouth. So massively agree with you. Okay. I can't even begin <laughs> to tell you. Because if, if not, what, what inevitably will happen is, is um, it's a race to uh, mediocrity, mm. it's a race of just being average. Um, you know, I, I continue, you know, we, we, we continue to believe that we are hiring the best team members, you know, in our space. Um, but we very well are getting team members that are at other brands, um, and ha- have not had nearly the success at other brands that they have with ours. Yes. So what, what, what are we doing differently with the same people? Right. And I would say that how we go about talking to them, how we go about coaching them, um, the level of feedback we give, but in a, a in a caring, supportive way, right? Um, likewise, um, allowing them every day to be empowered with knowing what our values are and actually the tools that they can execute. If we say, um, or we do say, um, our guests eat happy, we sell our guests happy. Yes. Well, what does that mean operationally? Forget like, oh, that's a nice thing and we have those you know, it on the wall. What does that mean operationally? What that means is that every single team member on day one is empowered to comp and get in front of the guest something they enjoy. It's not that they misordered or, um, or, or, or something, you know, remotely went wrong. It's the fact that we are not selling you a sandwich or a salad. We're selling you happy. Mm. If what you have in front of you is not making you happy, we have not we, sold you anything I yet. I love it. Right? So how do you actually like integrate it into the DNA of the team, but actually give them tools to execute right on that? And, and I think it needs to be built into your, Absolutely. Into your operations. I love and, this. And, and I think it's important, again, anybody who's listening to this, who's like, That's, we're not doing that. You mentioned even in your first interview that you're, you were, and I think it usually goes in an inverse direction that as you scale, things get worse. But yeah. you mentioned that as you've scaled, things have gotten better because yeah. on day one, you weren't doing all these little things at Mendocino's Farm. Like yeah. Even on day 360, you weren't doing these things at Mendocino's yeah. Farms. These are things that evolved over time, right? And you've gotten better and better and better. Every time you've doubled in size, you've, you've improved. And you mentioned it earlier, like you don't make new processes. You don't stack processes on, pro- on top of yeah. processes. You evolve the processes, yeah, right? That's right. Um, and I think, I mean, I'm, is that a safe assumption that all these no. things were happening on day one? Uh, uh, they were absolutely not happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so don't but, freak out right yeah, now. No, we're we're no, here to paint to, the picture of what it can be. Right? Don't, don't freak out. You know, if, if anything, if you're, you know, a, a, 
really thoughtful founder, you know, the questions that you want to ask yourself is, is how, how do you, how do you scale what's going on in your building right now? Right. And what you're going to find is you're going to need to create processes that replicate that same experience without you being in the building. Yeah. We got to take a break to thank our sponsors. I just realized we're almost 40 minutes into the sucker and I haven't taken my first break yet. Um, we'll be right back. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions no more guessing other features include detailed daily and labor data from your pos system accounts payable automation automated bank reconciliation incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food cost and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees all saving you time money and headaches take action today and find out how restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to five percent on prime costs that's awesome head over to restaurant 365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30 percent off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system a value of 5k we're back and you started talking about coaching during our last interview yes. and it was at the end of our interview and I was literally itching to pull back layers, but I wanted to respect your time, but I got you back. So <laughs> let's pick it up. Um, coaching. Like why, why is coaching so important? Uh, uh, start diving into that just a little bit, but not too much. I mean, just, just go, I'll let you do whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, no, I, I think that, uh, if you're, if you're to give, uh, one, Kind I'll, of magic ingredient. I'll just say this. Keep in mind, our, a lot of our listeners are already listening to that first episode, so they kind of okay. have the aerial view of coaching from Great. my perspective. If I was going to say one magic ingredient of what's helped make Mendocino Farms, you know, unstoppable, um, has has been um, our ability to uh, teach our coaching style um, to our management, and and that coaching style, um, you know, is is this idea of coaching by the numbers. Yes. Okay. So. Where we differentiate is um, oftentimes, you know, people will say, I, I've got a certain coaching style, right? And that's really about them. When in fact, we've kind of pulled it away and, and made it more like you're a doctor, okay? And you need to actually first diagnose your team member and actually deliver them the coaching that they need, not the, not the coaching, you know, that, that, that you're comfortable with. Okay. And what I say is imagine if you were a doctor and, um, and you have a coaching style, right? Um, in essence, you, ha you have a pill. So for no matter what, every single patient you see, you like give them this pill. Okay. Right. You'd be sued for malpractice, <laughs> right? Um, versus actually doing a diagnosis. And the, and the two things that we look um, and we teach our team to diagnose is first um, the team member's mindset and next their skill set, right? So if I'm, if I'm a, a, uh, high mindset, low skill set, right? I'm a one. I'm really excited to learn this new task. I just don't know how to do yeah. it. So all I really need you to do from a coaching style is, is don't be discouraging, but you don't have to be super encouraging. Just be really specific. Yeah. Give me all the details, right? We call it like kind of a John Wooden style. Really walk me through the basics, 
right? Um, and that's all I need. I'll thrive. Yeah. I'm already excited. Because you have the ambition and the, the excitement. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's say that, that you don't um, get coached um, uh, with the basics. So you had a high mindset, but now all of a sudden you have a, um, now you have a low mindset and a low skill set because, in fact, you've now done the job a little while, but you were never coached really well. And you're having mixed results. In uh, fact, I'm coming by and I'm going like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I kind of showed you how to do this. What are you doing wrong? Right? So now I have low skill set, low mindset. Now what does that person need? Well, first of all, they still need right part of what you're supposed to give them when they had the high mindset, the high skill set. They need the basics. Yeah. They need the basics. Now they need a giant dose of encouragement mm. attached to it. Right. The next one is, is high skill set, high mindset. And this is where I think a lot of organizations miss out. Um, they have their best performance. We do this all the time in the restaurant industry. If we have a high performer, we just literally like let them do their thing. Well, in fact, if you're a high performer doing the same job over and over again and not constantly being challenged and not spending the time coaching on them, right? Yeah. You'll get bored very well or not even not feeling like you're appreciated. Oh, that person's always great. So now I don't feel like I'm hungry for appreciate. I'm great at so many tasks because like I crave to be great yeah. and you're not appreciating me or I'm getting bored with the job. And so often we have those people either fall off or worse, they slip down and they become high skill set, low mindset. And that's, that's this, that's the fourth piece, right? So this, we this... call that in the red or there are three, right? But they're in the red. So now how do I coach them? Do I give them the basics? Like I did, you know, for the first two, no, that would offend them. Yeah. They're already high skill set. Yeah. Now it's the why I got to give them purpose. I got to, mm, I got to self-actualize. I got to, I got to share with them, um, you know, how, how of an impact they are to the group mm. and what role they can play. And we really call this very Phil Jackson. They need to be coaching. seen, right? Recognized. That's appreciated. right. Appreciated. Right. Um, and given new challenges and that can help them get back in the blue. So we can either keep people as a four or in the blue or, or how do we get them after they've slid back, right? And that's a completely so different So what's the scale, one style. to five? One to four. One to four, gotcha, so, gotcha. so a one is high mindset, low skill set. A two is low skill set, low mindset. A three is, um, is high skill set, low mindset. And a four is high skill set, high mindset. Okay, one thing that's like jabbing at me on yeah. the side right now is when you have somebody who's low who has low encouragement, yeah. how do you encourage them? How, what, what are, like, what's a good way to, a good approach to encourage somebody who has the skill set who might be a two with, um, okay, wait, if they're, they're two that they, they're high mind, they're low mindset, low skill set. So are they a three? Three would be high skill set, low mindset. That's right. Okay, so there's three. You already got it, Eric. I'm learning, man. There's hope. If I can figure this stuff out, you guys can figure this stuff out. Genius. So there are three. um, You're a three. How do you bring that three to a four? Give me an example of how you encourage them. Go go deeper there. No, there's there's lots of ways that you can take a high-performing team member and get them re-engaged, right? One is actually let them coach a one, let them coach someone new to a task that they're already an expert. One, I'm validating for them that I see them as an expert, mm-hmm. right? So that gives them a little bit of that, oh, uh, uh, of that recognition, yeah. right? Um, another way is actually, how can I make the job more interesting? You know, oftentimes our team members doing the same repetitive thing. Yeah. They want new challenges, right? Yeah. They want to be, so, cha- yeah. So how do I give them a new, a new task that they have to learn that they're, they might actually have a very low skill set do, mm. but their mindset will switch because they get to have this it's new exciting. challenge. Yeah. Right. 
Um, and, and we always have to really realize it's per task, right? So oftentimes we'll have a high performing team member, right? That was in the blue or a four at a certain task. And then we promote them to manager and okay. then it just assume that they already like, like what now know everything. No, <laughs> at every one of those tasks, they're probably a one, right? They're probably a beginner in it's the a whole new set of it's skills, a whole new tasks. Yeah. So they might have actually a real excitement. So it starts over, starts so over tears. That's right. Okay. So it starts over. Um, and how many be, tiers are there that you guys do? You, so, so it's four, four again, teams. it's four for every task. Okay. You're a one, two, three, or four. Okay. And that's the coaching by the numbers. Gotcha. It'll be it. in the book. It, I don't know if we did it justice today. Scott Greenberg, my co-author. We can do authors. a deep dive on this whole thing. I yeah. love to get you. I mean, you have an yeah. open invitation. Okay. Man. All right. Anytime you want to come back, my maybe, platform is your platform. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll invite Scott and, uh, it, it would be a fun time because yeah. coaching career, I think is, is actually a, a great tool that, um, going back to that idea of innovation, I think it's an open source. I mean, we've been we've been using these practices even before Mendocino Farms. We were using it in prior um, you know, restaurant groups that, that that we had owned. So this is this is old knowledge and it's been time tested. Yeah. So it's it's great to be able to share that. But it's with important to bring like it to the surface, man. It's restaurants. Really, and I'm, yeah, I'm I'm happy we're going over it. Yeah. Here. So um I would like to pick up where we left off. I mean, the last time you were on the show, I think it was 2017 or okay. I, the, the year isn't that important. It was, it was a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. A lot has happened since then. You scale from 17, I think you said to 30? 33. 33. So you almost doubled in size yeah. or have at least almost doubled. Yeah, almost doubled in size. Um, what what new lessons have you learned? What like what new challenges were you faced with over these past few years that we can maybe learn from uh, your experiences? Yeah, again, you know, you know, I I briefly mentioned it, but I think, you know, when I look back, one of the the greatest kind of aha moments, you know, for me and it, it's it's probably you know, one of the bigger ones um was within the same 6-month time period, uh we recruited um Steve Mincer. Um he was a VP uh at BJ's Pizza and at the same time recruited um you know, a few months later um, a gentleman by the name of Jim Rich, um, who who's a former VP of training for CPK. Okay. And these two individuals, um, beyond um, completely aligning with Mendo values, whether they knew what Mendo was or not, um, they did. Uh, but what they brought to the company, um, to, to both um, uh, Ellen and myself, was here are two people that actually had seen, you know, the BJ's movie play out for that matter. Steve, you know, was even an original cheesecake guy. So he'd seen a little bit of the cheesecake movie play. Okay. Um, um, had definitely seen the BJ's movie play out. Okay. And here you have Jim rich that was 30 plus years with CPK. So it definitely watched the C and been an active player in the CPK movie. Okay. So you have these two people that kind of know, um, what's around the next corner. And I really um, believe as founders, you know, and, and, and all the different jobs, you know, that, that we have, but that there's real creativity and, and magic that founders can bring. I'm, I'm, if anything, you know, one of my biggest roles now in this stage of my life is, you know, is, is investing and being on boards, you know, of founder based companies to help, you know, maintain that magic while scaling. And I think that that's a, that's, a, that's something that is needed more of, yes, yeah. um, I'm, you know, but, but I put that in the background. That was back of the question I alluded to. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've, I've got great <laughs> stuff to talk and, yeah. you know, we can, we can go into it. I've, I've some interesting comments around that. Um, but, uh, the, the mere fact that you can actually, um, compliment yourself, 
with these individuals that understand the right processes to, um, to, to bring, to actually execute, um, on the dream, right on the mission as you scale and, and, and actually really know how to not, not just put in those processes, but then build the teams around those processes. And that's why I said, I, I think that the number two thing on being unstoppable is that you've actually you build a team yes, that's unstoppable? And I was going to point out that you mentioned this earlier. Yeah. And what, like, where were you and Ellen um, with your skill set and your abilities before bringing them on? What were you? How were you trying to compensate yourself? Well, where were you weak, and how did they make you more rounded? I th- first of all, I think we're like we're every one of the founders that might be listening to this, like, you know, you wear like 15 hats, you know, you just keep switching them on and off. I mean, your HR to ops, to training, to counting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was like, you know, your R and D. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're every hat. Right. I think what, what, what really, um, you know, was a turning point for us as a company was that I think that Ellen and I were really on the precipice of doing very innovative training. Right. But here we had a thought leader in training in Jim Rich coming on board and going like, I love those ideas. Yes. Can, I, can I edit them? Can I add from the context of where I came from, but where it fits? He didn't just like, you know, bring the CPK playbook. Yeah. Right. It, it helped inform like what worked and what didn't work, but he completely took what we, um, the seeds of that magic and really said, okay, I actually like. I know how, how we're going to, we're going to make this. And, and still to this day, I look at it and go like, Oh my God, our training is <laughs> so much better. So what did it's he, amazing. what did he tweak? How did he make it even better? Cause I mean, you guys, oh. where you were in three years ago was still a pretty badass place. And now and, you and, made that even better. And, and to his credit, he's been with us for five years. Okay. So we were already on the okay. path of, okay. of doing things really, really well. Got you. Um, no, he's, he's, he's continued to leverage both technology, um, brought more people, you know, that are like-minded and then trained them. Was on it his idea to bring in Wisetail? Uh, it was. Okay. Are Absolutely. you guys still using Wisetail? How do you know this? Because or... I had interviewed you three years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, he is, he is the architect of all those pieces. Okay. And then, you know, it goes with, you know, I really do want to give props. You know, Steve Mincer um, was so, uh, I mean, first of all, he's, he's one of the most thoughtful, caring, you know, you know, people in, in the restaurant space, but he also was able to take, you know, unique, the uniqueness of Mendo and not just overlay what he had learned at BJ's mm-hmm. and really kind of create a new platform to build Mendo on that was definitely um inspired by what he'd learned in his prior experience but was definitely unique to mendo and you know we owe him a massive credit in what he was able to or what he continues to be able to build you know you know at mendo so so that was the aha moment was we think that we have that we know always the best way to bring thought leaders in um you know not to argue with but to collaborate with right and to actually create something new and better um change change Mendo. It's allowed us to be at 33 units and have the success that we've had. So I'm curious. I want to kind of bring it back to um, hit me with those three names again one more time. I was trying to pay attention. I didn't have time to take notes. <laughs> That's okay. I like this. This is in real. This is this, this, this is has real authenticity. Polished. Yeah. This is how I roll, man. Chaos. Like I, I said, mean, we might as well have gotten some beers. <laughs> um, so so we have uh, Jim Rich. Yeah. Is our uh, uh, he runs our training. Um, for Mendo. And then we have Steve Mincer. 
and that's and that's our he's he's head of all of our operations. Okay. Yeah. Was there three names? I thought you uh, said you got three people on. Maybe I. No, no, it's just okay. Good. This is why yeah, I'm asking. Good. I want to make sure I give credit where credit is due. Oh, so that's back well. There's G- so many more people. I can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the list is very, very long. So back to Jim. He yeah. was in charge of training. Yeah. Uh, he 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 kind of took what you guys had. He tweaked it. Um, yeah. Back to Wisetail because Wisetail past sponsor of the show. I love Wisetail. Yeah. I'm really curious. Um, should be a future sponsor if we talk about them enough right now. Well, that's not the point, but I just, <laughs> just I think I believe in it. And I, yeah, I try to find sponsors too. I believe we in do because too. I don't want to promote products and services. I don't yeah. think we'll make an impact. So um, what did YSTL do for your company? How did this make you guys better? Yeah. I, you know, where I think that um, YSTL becomes um, very useful and significant is um, it, it, it's obviously it's white label. So you as a brand get so much freedom to make it, you know, um, part of your DNA and to reflect, you know, your culture and your values. Um, but it gave a central location, um, for our team, um, to be, if whenever in doubt, um, it's the central place, um, to get recharged about all things that are Mendo from, from appreciating other team members to, um, tidbits on selling happy to coaching lessons, but delivered in the way that are, that are using the coaching by the colors. Um, so, so it, it became this, it it is the central hangout, right. That allows our team when in doubt, right. To come and get recharged, Mm. to understand, you know, you know what the plan is and where we're going. Um, so it, it just becomes this very powerful tool that, um, that, again has allowed us to scale culture they get to see fellow team members in different states now yeah we're in texas well that's the, the and, key and be thing. able to yeah. understand and feel like this this greater belonging because it almost becomes your your facebook of your friends right, right. that's crafted for your brand so we, yeah. uh, i'm a i'm a big fan of 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 not just a big fan of wise tales a platform a big fan of what the mendo team has done to actually make it um uh, live, um, you know, we actually have this incredible uh, team member, uh, Rebecca, who um, oversees many of the Wise Tail and and oversees a lot of our training. Yeah, the way I think of Wise Tail is a platform through which to transfer culture. Because when you start scaling, you start getting further apart. Yes. But you need something to bring you closer. It's the, the yes. gluten and bread is like what Wise Tail is a culture. Yes. Right? It keeps things close. It keeps things tight. Um, and like video and training, and yeah. you can also. Uh, customize your your own brand into it, like coloring and stuff like this. So like your brand yeah. is being echoed everywhere. It yeah. can be very on point. It's a very powerful tool if used right. Yeah. And I don't need to get too deep into that because no. I don't know if all my listeners are there yet. Yeah. This is this is like a but, think multi. Like, but if you take a tool and you're scaling past ten stores, yeah, highly recommend the investment. Okay, that's a good marker. Ten stores, good to know. Um, okay, Steve, we got to talk about Steve. Any key because yeah. he was operations. Yeah. How did he come in? And how did he and still is? Us? Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, um, how did he come involved? Uh, um, you know, just at some point as a founder, and, and this is where you know you probably don't want to necessarily create a board too early, but you want to seek out mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through some of my mentors, you know, in the in the early innings, um, you know, they they highly recommended you know that I brought 
in a senior operations person to to really codify you know some of the good things that we are doing and hopefully bring some new things. Um, so through that mentorship and through that advice, um, which which by the way is kind of hard to listen to sometimes because you know those individuals that are as good as Steve are expensive. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's always hard as founders because you got where you are because you're frugal, <laughs> yeah. you know, to go ahead and, and spend money not for the business that you have, but the business that you want to have. But I think it's also important that mentality of sharing, the, like if you have success, share it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's not about how big you get. It's about the impact you yeah. make. And when you have yeah. the means to make an impact on other people, yeah. go deeper, not out, you know, and that yeah. will lead to further outward yeah. growth. But I think we look outward and we don't look inward, uh, you know? So I don't know. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you, um, within, uh, days of, of Steve joining the team after, you know, we spent a very long time convincing him that this was a good place for him to spend his time. Um, the impact was palpable. I mean, you know, he, what he was able to do and, um, the systems that I would say that he layered in, right. He couldn't treat us like a 200 unit BJ's, mm. you know, I think at the time Steve came on board, we were seven units, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? But, but, um, as a, as a real architect, he knew, um, he knew the foundation to put in, um, and then just kind of like, then started kind of building the rooms. So reflecting at what he did, like what's the one or two things that you observing this, that he had yeah. the biggest impact on your business. Yeah. I mean, it's starting to get nerdy and geeky, but you know, Let's for the people that are scaling, it. you know, um, I, I think one of the most critical pieces that, um, that a senior operations person, you know, that's at uh, a Steve level status and there aren't a lot of them around, but they, um, they really understand the significance of, um, of first, um, GMs and, and having good routines and having solid metrics to understand, you know, so on a daily basis, they understand if they're being successful or you not. Track it. You got to track right? it. Yeah. Um, so, so one is, um, he was hugely influential on, um, establishing what the GM routine was hugely influential on not just creating, cause we had some good metrics, but metrics that they could see on a, on a weekly and then eventually daily basis. Um, the second piece to that, but it's attached is then actually recruiting directors of operations and giving them great routines mm. and giving them great metrics. And that's when, like we talk Coaching. about this, this ingredient. Yes. Yeah. Like, how do you scale? Like do, do DOs just like kind of show up and they're just like a Boom. little more important <laughs> than a GM, you know? Yeah. Not at all. I mean, yeah. we have, we, you know, I, I go back to the directors of ops that we've had in our company and some of which now are, have gone on to VP level positions. Um, but massive, massive impact players can literally go into a region, you know, where they have three or four Mendos and all of a sudden, you know, you know, increase them by double digit, right? Because they have that much um, ability. But a lot of that is from a really good routine mm. that's consistent through, you know, the system. So when I start thinking about it, is can Mendo be better at 50 than it is at 33 and knowing that the kind of pieces that Steve's put in with regards to scaling operations, I say yes. Yeah. I think it's important to mention, um, you took four years from our yeah. previous conversation. I remember this. You took four years. I can't remember from, from yeah. where to where. From one to two. From one to two. Yeah. To really, to, to get the systems down. This is a yeah. great lesson because before you scale, yeah. you got to build the framework through which you're going to scale into. Yeah. You can't just like, it's like, it's like uh, building an addition onto your house. You can't just walk into space. You yeah. got to like build the, the, the frames to like walk on. So you can then put, you know what I'm saying? Like you need something there so you can well, expand into it. And like, it sounds like that 
like is kind of I think continuing it, at this point. It's interesting you bring this up. I think in, in retrospect, I think we actually kind of knew a lot of it at the time. Um, but you know, we had we had very much I don't know maybe you call it an opposite black swan theory. <laughs> you know, like we it was the first Mendo um, had so much success. I mean, it's seventy plus people in line wow. every lunch, right? Um, but at some point, and, and I appreciate this about my business partner. Um, I, I think it's been one of, one of my strengths is that, um, you know, we're very realistic that a lot of that success, um, very well might've been through, um, geography. <laughs> you know, we just didn't have a lot of great competitors. We weren't that great. And I think the fact that we were willing to pump the brakes and ask ourselves, um, what are we doing really well? And what do we need to do better? Do we really understand our brand? Do we really understand the, our, our, our niche? Likewise, do we have systems to scale? Can we actually replicate this if we weren't in the building? You know, we were asking ourselves those questions and, and it, you know, I don't think we needed to wait four years. I think it, it just became weird yeah. trying to find a second location, but it for sure made us delay two years. Yeah. Um, and I hear from a lot of my, um, you know, the, the people, you know, I'm not going to call them young mentors, but young in the business, you know, that will come to me and, and, you know, they constantly talk about that, you know, it's, it's a land grab and I'm like, it's, it's never in the restaurant space. A land grab? What'd you say? A, a land grab that oh, they, land like, grab. I've got gotcha. something kind of good. I've got to scale it. I've got to, I've got to make the real estate, you know, I've got, I've got all these competitors in the market that are going to beat me to the corner that I want. And you, you have to kind of pause and go. Go, gosh, go, go ahead and let your competitor burn through their money. Yeah, and then and go to their that exit corner. strategy. Yeah, and then go ahead and buy that spot or take it over. Like, like slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. If you look at these Big iconic picture. brands that know who they are and are playing the long game. Yep. So, um, again, you know, we, um, you know, we had some really good mentorship. Um, I, you know, specifically, uh, at that time, Tom Sims, the founder of Mimi's cafe, and he's gone on, um, two, two of his sons are, are, are incredible restaurateurs, uh, Chris Sims, lazy dog cafe, yes. Mike Sims is Chris Sims on the show. Oh, have you? Yeah. Okay. Great, great, great friend of mine. Um, Mike Sims, his younger brother. I forgot he's out here, isn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. I should hit him up. I, okay. I, I'll give you his number. Um, I should give his, give you his number. Um, on the podcast, then everyone can have it. Just joking, Chris. Um, But then also Mike Sims, you know, um, his his younger brother has been um, unbelievably successful with Simsies and their fine dining. But uh, Tom is just this like legendary um, restaurant person, but it's, it's because he's, he's truly a professor, Mm. (laughs) you know, to go back to. There we go. Um, And, um, you know, Tom probably gave me one of the greatest lessons um, and it was the lesson and it was a lesson that I try to give other mentors and, um, and some, some, some don't get it, but it was the, uh, hearing something I didn't want to hear. Um, cause the first thing he said to me was, yeah, on your next store, you got to go out to the suburbs. Mind you, we had just done a second urban store, um, just signed the lease. We hadn't even built it yet. And, uh, we're going to do more urban stores. They're doing great. They're open Monday Ooh. through Friday, easy to run. Here comes no the big weekends. why. Why did you want you to go to the supper? There he had said, been a reason. He, he said, um, and I, I thought it was great. And I actually heard in later podcasts, uh, later podcasts, um, with the Airbnb founders that they got similar advice. And by the way, this is, you know, I mean, this dates Airbnb hadn't even been invented when Tom Sims <laughs> gave us this advice, yeah. but he goes, as a founder, this is the one time 
you know, that you are so in your business. I mean, he literally, when he'd come visit me, I was still making sandwiches. He goes, you are so in your business right now that you have the opportunity to, um, not do iterations, but revolution, right? You have, you have the opportunity to make big, bold adjustments. Mm. Um, and this is the one time that you can do it. And if you can't be successful with sandwiches in suburbia, then you really don't have something. So you're that's testing that special, the market basically, right? Like you don't have something that's that special. So you're basically saying at this point in your life, uh, or this, the evolution of your business's life, you are small and nimble enough. You're a jet ski. You can make pivots and adaptations. Yeah. And yeah, once well, you get bigger, it's gonna be harder to well, adjust. Well, the, the, that, the Airbnb advice, which was from one of their early investors in Airbnb was, uh, and this was, this is like second year. <laughs> he goes, Hey, you got something um, pretty good. Um, now you actually have to go out to New York and talk to every one of your, uh, you know, the people that, that are, that are having an Airbnb and get all that feedback while you're still on the ground. You're still right beside the programmers. You're still so deep in the business that you can make, um, revolutionary changes, pivots. you know, huge pivots to the brand. Yeah. There's a really great book. Uh, Eric Reese's the lean startup that I think kind of dissects this mind, this mm. mindset right here, well, the importance of being small and nimble and gain that feedback. Cause as you get yeah. bigger, it's the difference between the analogy is being a jet ski versus being a cruise ship. That's right. You can't adjust as a cruise that's ship. Right. There's big things take a long yeah. time to, to, yeah, uh, that's why yeah. linebacker or running or linemen aren't running backs. So they can't yeah. juke, you know, they no. go straight. Fast. No, we, you know, we, um, so not only am I continue to have massive gratitude for Tom Sims, but the things that came out of it, we changed our ordering system, um, okay. from going to suburbia. Um, we, uh, we adjusted the menu to be far more, um, to have far more salads and to be great at salads, which was a huge pivot. Mm. Um, there was so many huge, I mean, we changed the size of the dining room. We changed the size of, uh, to go and in, in the to go area based on, on, you know, being in the business and that close to it in a place that was, I would say I arguably the first year of opening a Marina del Rey in suburbia was an absolute S show. <laughs> it was it was guests screaming that whoever created this concept has to be the stupidest person that exists and and for you to have to hear that firsthand was was pretty tough um but great so we you, were able to really by by our fourth and fifth store we were able to implement all these changes and um and and have some real deep success so when you're making these pivots these yeah. early pivots how did you know it was the right move was it just numbers or was it gut or combination no i look i i think that um i i go back to you know are, are you making it by gut i think gut your gut is so often informed by data mm. um and again it's not just the guest telling me what it should do it's also looking at movements and trends right it's establishing in the middle of the lunch rush that there's not enough seats inside the building or that um the mom if you're if you're one of your core customers or your core customer is a lululemon mom and she doesn't have enough room to push her double stroller right through the dining room then your dining room doesn't have wide enough yeah. passing lanes. Yeah. It's 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 those things continue Empathy. to you know, it's you know putting you know, yourself in their position inform yeah. you. Yeah. No. So um so again, you know, to your point, I think that there is some gut, but it's completely informed by what you're observing um from your guest, particularly your your what you consider your core kind of guest, yeah. as well as um trends and movements that you're seeing in the industry. And again, I go back to 
the studying of your competitors yeah. and understanding what's been successful for them. I, I laugh because Mendocino Farms really is an updated version of Panera Bread. Um, <laughs> and, and I can go into like how funny, but I can't believe that I wasn't like like arrested or having a restraining order to not walk into the Panera Bread across the street. But they didn't invent and, sandwiches, soups, and salads either. So No, no, no. But the size of their dining room yeah. and the success they had in suburbia, I would literally walk into a Panera Bread and I would actually measure the distance between tables oh. just to uh, Some, just to make sure like like how far our tables were, right? Okay. Or looking at their communal yeah. tables and, and the ones that people sat at based on the width and distance. You know, I think it's a simple thing so. we can do in our mind, just a tr- simple trick we can play on ourselves. Don't look at these people as competitors. Look at them as comrades. You yeah. know what I mean? I think by doing that, it kind of changes the relationship. Like yeah. you've gone through, I can learn a lot from you. Like, comrades you feels very... Uh, communist um okay. I, I like no i'm joking i like the neighbors thing yeah neighbors i'll go back to neighbors who's your neighbor um yeah. so i have one more big question that i'm sitting on but yeah. i rather i feel like i feel selfish i feel like this entire time it's been all me you have taken notes it, it, you, like it, i'm honored eric it is, it is your podcast it gets you get to but you're you're spitting gold man and <laughs> i want to give you a chance what's near and dear to your heart get it out i want to give you time like what are the, what's the most important thing that you wanted to communicate today before I want to make sure that gets the conversation before I ask my last question before I go to the speed round? I don't know if it's like necessarily the most important thing because I, I think you've covered a lot of good <laughs> things. You're, you're, uh, you're very accomplished at what you do. Thank Hopefully you. there's been some nuggets for people oh um, gosh, that are up and coming in the business. Um, if they are, then, then, you know, then we've done a good work. But the one thing I would say that, you know, that's helped, you know, um, you know, helped me get to, you know, where we are today, um, has, has been through mentorship. You know, this very much is an apprentice, you know, business and, and, and to be able to seek out. Um, and, and I, I kind of gave the advice earlier. There's just so many mentors and I was saying the best thing I ever learned from Tom wasn't necessarily just the advice of going to suburbia. It was the fact that I didn't want to hear it. Mm. Like I, I, I literally caught myself wanting to push back and debate it with this person that's had ridiculous success and yeah. it's just so much smarter than me and, Pain hurts. and like a- thank god i just shut up right <laughs> i just i just shut up and i just i let it i, I let it mull over me and it and it really did it for me we yeah. obviously you know it helped us but so often you know i'll have you know people seek mentorship you know from me um and and i would say the majority completely listen but there's there's actually a very big minority that really all they want is um for someone to validate that they are already on the perfect plan mm. and almost just not. Yeah. And, and I they're just... <laughs> missing so much opportunity for growth, right? They're, they're, they're really missing. Yeah. You know, I just said pain that. hurts. I meant to say growth hurts. Um, okay. But, yeah. uh, so what, what's the, what are you trying to communicate? Get outside of your, your trajectory, your trajectory, look, be open-minded to what those who have gone through this don't necessarily yeah. take, do everything everybody says, but at least consider like, what, what are you trying to like? What's well, the, 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 like, the key I, lesson? I just, you know, you had mentioned, Hey, I might, I might ask you, you know, who, who are some of your mentors? And it was ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't have to even think they kind of spill over yeah. me, you know, with each one of the lessons, you know, I, I think about, you know, I listened to Tom, but like Nick Marsh, you know, which I, I, th- I think you've interviewed the CEO a, of chopped salads. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, literally one of the smartest CEOs in the business. But in fact, if, if you look at why, I mean, he's been able to continue to still harness um, you know, the two founders of Chop, Tony and Colin, um, and continue to actually allow them to sprinkle some yeah. of that magic while, while building this unbelievable infrastructure I mean, around them. And now, 
has just created what he calls founder's table and saying, let me replicate, you know, what I just did with chopped. Yeah. And he's just plugged in dos Toros. Okay. What you don't know is Mendo, um, so plugged into chopped in the early years and, and they were, they were basically our, our big brother restaurant in, in so many ways because Nick was such an influential, he's our first board member. Um, but the idea to replicate that, like founders, you know, can come to a organization that wants to continue to harness what um, makes that concept great, yep. but give them the infrastructure and the learnings, yeah. you know, to be able to scale. And I, I think it's a big idea, but I look at Nick and going like, God, yeah. how do we not had Nick? You know, he was you know. a great guest. I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And, um, I always say it and it's, this is probably one of the biggest lessons I had, like the biggest, like, and it seems so simple that like, it's kind of silly when I say it out loud sometimes yeah. behind every great restaurant's a great person. Yeah. You know, and it's they're the reason why their restaurant is great is because yeah. that person is great and their yeah. their restaurant is an extension of who they are. And they built and, a great team. And they built a great team. But because the team craves to be, you know, part yeah. of, of, of what that person is. But great people them. are attracted to other great people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's usually it's like a it's like moths being drawn to a light. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So you unless you're you, you will never attract onto yourself the people you need unless yeah. you become a great person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um and I don't know if that's something you can learn or not. Um, well, I, no, I think I think it is learn. Like if if I was ever to give like some book recommendations, not to jump around, but jump ta- all over the place. <laughs> ta- uh, um, someone that has been a mentor to me, one of the one of the brightest people around, like how to build a team, recruit the right people, Alice Elliott. Um, but she had her conference, her Breaking Bread conference, and God, I remember it so well because um, it was all the way in New York. And it was back in the early days. Um, this is this is might even be eight plus ten years ago, um, and we could barely afford to get out to New York. So I remember <laughs> it because it was like it was a big like commitment. I feel that you know that I wouldn't Alice, be here if not for my friends in the aviation industry giving me buddy passes. So okay, I get it. <laughs> there, there you go. So so Alice Elliott invited us to this like breaking bread conference. It was you know which she still does. It's amazing, um, but she had this speaker Jeff Colvin. He wrote this book called Talent Is Overrated. Um, it's a it's a must read. Mm. It really brings up this process of deliberate practice, right? And it's practice with a plan. It's practice with um, enormous amount of feedback, and it's practice that's hard, mm. right? Is this notion of deliberate practice? Lean and what, into it, right? And what he's when he's really you know saying with with you know this idea of of uh, deliberate practice um, is that greatness, like you know what what defines the greatest athletes or the greatest performers isn't that they were touched by God, right? Is that, is that they've actually, it's learned. And if it's learned, then we can all learn it. And that's the mission of this right? podcast. There you go. Yes. No, no that's, that's, that's yes. why I said you were doing the, the Lord's work. So. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you. And but- then, and then I did want to mention there's, there's like a few other, like when I think through my mentors and, and hopefully this is, this isn't just like giving them props, but it's, but it's also helping, you know, the, the listener understand like what I've pulled away. Um, you know, we, we got, uh, an opportunity, um, to learn from cheesecake factory. And, and one of the people that like jumped out was, um, you know, probably one of the, again, another professor in the industry is this gentleman, Donald Moore, um, truly uh, he, he's, he's chief culinary officer and, um, watching his innovation process and watching, um, their team spend as much time on innovating existing items that were already like delicious and craveable and making them more craveable 
and, and actually giving that as much time as creating new items, um, gave us a new regiment at Mendo. It actually changed Mendo, you know, three or four years ago. Was this the, really the, the 60, deep. 40 rule? Is that what you're with? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Was that in the last I one? I think so. But oh, the, good. the mentality that so you you know, asked a lot. 60% of our, 60% of our energy in, in, uh, the, the, as far as like the, the back of house with, um, yes, is going into doing what we do even better. And That's 40% right. And is R and D. Yeah. yeah. That, that, you, that, that came totally from, Apple, came right? from, uh, well, I mean, it really came from Donald. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. It came from, it came from cheesecake. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but that's actually, I'm happy that you brought this up because that was one of my questions that I skipped because I didn't want to abuse our time and I wanted to leave a lot of time for you. So what's this whole mentality around consistency then? So there's like one of the people say consistency is so important. It has to be the same. It has to be predictable. It has to be the same. How, how do you balance consistency with constant evolution? Okay. Well, um, I, I think that constant evolution should never happen at the individual stores. <laughs> that's a super bad thing that Steve, so Mincer, Steve Mincer, uh, our COO would say that was really okay. bad. Right. Yeah. So, so constant innovation can absolutely happen, you know, with the R and D team. Um, and, um, and, and when I say innovation it doesn't necessarily be, have to be for a new item, but, um, again, it should be, we should spend as much time making our craveable items, even more craveable. Yeah. We already know they sell well. Yeah. Right now, if, if we can make them even more craveable, so that's that's one. But back to consistency, um, you know our our team, and we, you know we have an incredible executive chef and Jeremy Bringardner, um, and you know he's complemented by some some you know great chefs, um, Harold Mendoza. Um, they can make the most delicious sandwich that you have ever had in your entire life. They can. Yeah. They're, they're really good at what they do. But can everybody do that? But the fact is, can <laughs> can they can they make it in such a way that one our supply chain, yep. you know, can put it in our stores, the training, and to be able to have one of our very engaged, you know, fifteen dollar plus an hour probably line cook, right? Can they replicate it and not making one for the co-founder, right? But make like fifty of them during the middle of the lunch rush, right? Right. Are they going to be able to do it? And can they do it if, if, if Jeremy and a Harold, you know, made the sandwich at a, let's say a nine and a half, can they consistently make it somewhere between a seven and a half and an eight and a half? Mm. And if they can, that's the genius. Mm. The genius isn't the nine and a half making one for the co-founder mm-hmm. in a structured place with no rush and not having to make 50 other things. The genius is in, is in the consistency, providing of, the process around it. Yeah. yeah. The consistency of being able to do it in a high volume in multiple locations. I and that's it. why when you hear like, you know, we give a, you know, I give a lot of prop, props to our R and D team. Um, but you'd hear that I give far more to our ops team. Um, because I think that's actually what makes it really special is awesome. making it at eight and a half at that volume. Yeah. Our team doing that consistently, that's powerful. I love this, man. So the big question I've been sitting on, you mentioned this in our first interview and when I listened to it again to prepare for this episode, something that resonated with me and I'm kind of on the same base with you, but I'm open-minded. I want to say that I'm, I'm in this, the state, I, one of my, my core values is open-mindedness. I have biases and okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's around the, 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 what you said is that you spent two years studying the franchise world um, oh, yeah. for a lot yeah, of yeah. reasons. You decided that, that wasn't for you. Yeah. Um, 
and I kind of lean in that direction. Okay. I've had a few franchise operators on the show uh-huh. and I think that there's a, it's a lot, it's important to get their perspective on why they think that model is good. Cause maybe I'm always being turned uh-huh. on to new thoughts and new perceptions and new angles. So uh-huh. what were the lessons you learned that made you think that that wasn't the right model? Um, you know, f- first of all, uh, I actually think some franchises are phenomenal. Yeah, and, and, and I've and, learned and that are myself. Unbelievably, yeah. you, you know, are, are great and have um, been able to, you know, you know. I'm a moderate a culture. Okay, life. okay. <laughs> yeah. so, no, but I, I want to be clear. What I think the thing that I pulled away from, you know, really doing a deep dive on successful franchisors is that there has to be a commitment that you're actually operating a different business. Okay. So, so if, if right now, you know, um, we're running a, um, restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have to, if, if you're, if, if Mendocino farms was to become a franchise, which, which it could, yeah, right. That we would have to build a completely different, um, group, mm-hmm. right. That actually is in the franchise business. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's one thing to have a director of operations, but now, you know, we need an entire, or, or sorry, an entire training department. We need now an entire, you know, recruiting and training department for the proper, um, you know, franchisees. And how do we, how do we get them? How, one, you know, who are they? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and who would be best for a Mendocino farms, which is a very, you know, as much as we're only in 3000 square feet, it's pretty complicated. We're also, because we're doing so much from scratch, we're a commissary based spoken wheel system. So you have to actually can't have an individual doctor that just wants to own a couple. Yeah. You actually need like a, a real restaurant group that would be willing to, you know, do an area development and build a commissary and, 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 and maintain a, you know, a commissary. So we would, you would have to have, it's a new model, right? To be able to, you know, to have it. So I think that the things that are the most successful in franchising are particularly in the restaurant space are restaurants that are simpler, don't have as many moving parts, right? Um, Easier to train. So then people can have the same, again, consistent experience, you know, elsewhere. Our food is pretty, like our food is pretty complicated, right? The scratch cooking at the commissary. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to scale. We have a pretty robust menu. Yeah. We, we have, we have so many different revenue channels. I mean, we're, we're almost 12% so, third party delivery. We're 21% catering. So I think what you, what you know, we have these, all yeah. these like big hard <laughs> things yeah. to like run. Like that's a tough thing to go train an individual or even a, a, a small franchisee, like for a few units. Could we train a huge restaurant group? Yeah. Totally. So you know, here's the thing that this is, this is why I, when I hear about like all the reasons you're, you're listing right now, yeah. all those are all like when I think of franchise, the, the, what makes them successful is simplicity. But sometimes yeah. when we, we try to simplify things too much, we, we, it's not always the hardest thing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But what we we're talking about earlier. Sometimes the hard thing is the best way. Yeah. And I don't think that they, they try to make it yeah. so easy that they take a lot of the specialness out of it. Yeah. And I think the world yeah. needs more special things. Um, that's one of my issues. Um, the <laughs> okay. other issue is scalability with um, the food system. Are we yeah. have a broken food system? We've identified this. Yeah. And that model supports a broken food system. Yeah. And you see some of your friends are trying to 
think of a way that they can maintain the integrity of our food system while scaling. Yeah. They're having trouble, aren't they? Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. No, we're all Maybe we trouble. shouldn't try to fix that problem. Maybe that yeah. problem is a governor that we should respect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just throwing this out here. Um, these are some of my issues, right? And this, I mean, but I'm open-minded, but this is what I've seen from my 700 interviews. Um, <laughs> and the other issue That's I a have, pretty good context, by the way, Eric. <laughs> the other issue I have is with regionality. Okay. We we have no regionality anymore. Like you, you can like no region has the same charm it used to, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's partially due to a lot of scaling. I think um, when you scale a big business, you take a lot of um, identity out of of the community. People mm-hmm. want to be identified with their community. They they want mm-hmm. to um, they want to create, and it, yeah. it makes it makes being a creator much more difficult. I feel yeah. like in this market, when there's so much market being taken up by massive corporations and franchises. And I'm I'm open minded to learn something, but these are just how this is how I feel, and I feel no, comfortable I, enough around you. No, I feel you, like you have great perspective. You can teach me something. You, you should. I mean, if I was going to say the two things that I think have been the greatest challenge for Mendo and still are, um, first is how to scale our culture, mm. right, which we've covered <laughs> at length, yeah, at nausea. I hope I'm not trying to. I hope uh, I'm not attacking no, you right now. No, God, like, no. Not a, this is the stuff that, like, okay, like okay, I, cool. you know, that, that resonates <laughs> with me. The second thing is how, how to scale our supply chain. Mm. And I think one of the um, things that we really struggled with, um, you know, years ago was um, there, there just has not been a lot of great examples in the restaurant space of a restaurant group scaling and being able to maintain a certain level of authenticity and transparency mm-hmm. in their supply chain. Mm-hmm. And it, it really led me to um, uh, trying to seek out, you know, who could inform us on how to scale what we were trying to ambitiously accomplish from a supply chain. And that's actually what led me to um, seeking out uh, mentorship from John Mackey okay. at Whole Foods. If you think about it here, yeah. they are, they'd already at that point, this is almost five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. They'd already scaled nationally. I'm mm-hmm. doing air quotes, which isn't good for a podcast. We got video. Oh yeah, we got video. Scroll um, down just a little bit on your iTunes player and okay. you can subscribe to the YouTube channel and watch this interview. It's a little plugs you, out of the way. Yeah, you, you might not. I'm, I have a face for radio. Um, so anyway, so uh, so on that note, um, one one of the things that's been great, you know, and and I, you know, I encourage actually like minded restaurants is Whole Foods has actually cracked the code on a lot of things. And I, if I was gonna, you know, say you know a few of them, one of which is, um, you know, the the idea that um, that if you want to support the smaller local farmer and artisan then you probably need to do it regional um, from a regional perspective, mm-hmm. right? Because they are smaller and mm-hmm. they, they don't have the national, you know, you know, capability, mm-hmm. but, but that's kind of a good thing, right? It's governor. Um, so yeah. So, so the idea that um, when you can support, support local artisans, when you can, um, um, you know, use a more local field green or any of these pieces um, that you can plug them in. Right. But that you, that you kind of create these, you know, we have, we, we created um, with a few friends actually um, over dinner uh, with uh, Kimball Musk and um, Chris Sims, Kimball Musk, Mike Chipotle, Sims, right? and Tony Owen and I. Yeah. Uh, Kimball's on the board there. Okay. Uh, or maybe still is. Um, but uh, he has the kitchen. Yes. Um, yes. And just a really thoughtful, deep thinking yeah. guy. He's a good person, maybe. To um, he's uh, on my radar. Okay, there's a reason why I recognize uh, he, him. <laughs> yeah, he's super, uh, 
super thoughtful human being. But anyway, um, one of the things that we had come up with is that, you know, and we practice it at Mendocino Farms is we have a three tier system. So if you're a tier one, and this is, this speaks to like the broken food system. If you're a tier one vendor of Mendo, we do not negotiate with you on price. You tell us how much you have to sell an item from. We don't blindly just buy it at that item, but as long as you show us, you know, why and give us all the back, what we then ask you if the item is too expensive is if we find innovative ways to get that item cheaper to us, can we share that savings together? Mm. Right. But instead of us like maybe going to a big broadliner and going, you know, you just need to get your prices down on your goat cheese. Broadliner right? by US or are you talking about food performance food or we'll, US? we'll go ahead and not name those okay. um, those really big guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, you can. All right. But anyway, but um if you go to a giant broadliner their first inclination, right, is to go to the the farmer and the artisan, which, by the way, if we're living off of, um, you know, nickels in the restaurant business, they're living off pennies, mm. right? And we start beating them up rather than saying, you're tier one. Um, we're here to take care of you. We actually exist to support mm. local farmers and artisans that deserve it. This is conscious which, which, capitalism, which right means here. yes, yeah. Which means that we have a relationship that deserves it. Means we have a relationship. We don't have a name that some other vendor gave us that we can put on a wall. We actually have a working relationship mm-hmm. with our tier one yeah. vendors, right? Now, tier two means that you you meet our qualifications, but there are other people that are competitive, you know, in your space, and that that there is some negotiation that's yeah, allowed. They have the, the same right that you have to this. They totally. Yeah. Um, and then tier three, which we would consider commodity. Now commodity to us is whole foods market or better. Okay. Since whole foods has invested, we, we do not serve anything that can't be sold at a whole foods. Gotcha. Um, so our idea of commodity is probably far different than what most people's (laughs) idea, but tier three to us is, is, um, we can fully negotiate. We can fully interchange. Um, and in fact, we, we, um, our tier three vendor relationships are what affords us to be able to support tier one. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's kind of a different perspective. Now, if you go, you know, to a whole foods and you see there's, there's different vendors that they're really shining a light on. And then there's plenty of, you know, more of the blocking and tackling yeah. items. Right. Um, there's so many other things that to, to localize things. Um, the mere fact that you get to meet your team, here's whole foods is this giant, you know, you know, company that's in, you know, Canada and England and all over North America and owned by Amazon. And yet still you walk into your whole foods market, right? Your local whole foods market. And they're introducing you to the staff, right? And sharing with you, with them, their stories. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think that that's been a huge piece that we've taken as well as we scale is to really make sure that people know that this team is a local team. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we've obviously done a lot of regional, we, and we will continue to do regional chef collaborations, um, that, you know, that are, that are super fun. So. I, I still feel like there's more to unpack with the, with okay. the human element, but I want to yeah. save that for maybe the next conversation. Cause I want to wow. respect your time. E- episode, uh, 1100. <laughs> yeah. Cause we're over, <laughs> we're over an hour and a half. We still got okay. the speed round and I have to ask you the last question I've been asking all my guests. Okay. Uh, this is a new question. I ask all my guests. The mission statement is to inspire, empower and transform the industry. So how yes. have you transformed? Who are you today versus the man you were back in 2005 when you got your start with Mendocino? farms uh, interesting aside for being retired <laughs> yeah no i um look i think that the 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 transformation um for me has been um 
you know, largely um, personal. And then, and then I would say, you know, hopefully helped influence, you know, Mendocino Farms brand, you know, personal. And I think that, you know, you have to have a certain amount of um, bravado and ego um, to want to create, mm-hmm. you know, something, you know, you know, new, um, if anything, um, you know, my transformation, I've, I've learned a lot of humility. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had a lot of time to reflect on ways to do things better. Um, I think that I've, uh, um, I've definitely, um, gone to a place where, um, I understand how I can be a positive influence on, um, the team around me and teams that, you know, I invest in and advise for and, and kind of know my, you know, know the best, you know, what my unique value or, or I guess u- unique things that I bring to the table yes. and, and, and how to apply them and help them influence yes. the group in a positive way. Now, as far as transformation with the brand, which I, again, I go back to, I give, I give credit that I think that Ellen and I have been really good at, um, curating the team, hiring the right people, um, and being good students of the business. But, you know, I think there's been massive transformation. I think that Mendo has been, um, one of the thought leaders with regards to, um, uh, supply chain. I think we've been one of the thought leaders around, um, how to coach our team. Um, I think we've been one of, um, you know, uh, I think we've been an inspiration for a a lot of brands and and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean that like in a meaningful way, I think that, um, hopefully that, uh, that if, if anyone's observed or come to a Mendo and it's, it's inspired them to, um, have a greater hospitality experience within their four walls, um, the ripple effects that that's affected their guests or affected them in a good way, I think is, is, um, things we can be proud of. Um, and I think that there's still, you know, areas that I look at that I want to disrupt. I think there's a, um, I, I truly believe that there are so many incredible creative chefs and founders, um, that have something really important to share with the world to help give them better structure. Uh, I think that that that's kind of the, when I think about the next chapter, um, I think there's a huge opera, uh, opportunity disrupt in the, um, CPG space what do you mean? around okay. grocery yep. um, and really bring, um, both, uh, you know, grocery for that Wait, matter. What do you mean by CBG real quick? Uh, c- consumer product goods, okay. CPG, CPG. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, there's products, you know, if, if I walk in and, and, um, the best salad dressing at my high-end grocery store is and no bash, you know, to Olive Garden is Olive Garden. <laughs> I mean, the mere fact that, you know, a, a chopped salad dressing, you know, isn't available right now. And I think through the relationships that, uh, that I've been able to forge, um, you know, that we can bring a certain level of craveability, yeah. um, into people's homes, um, not just through third-party delivery, but through, through grocery. And I think that, I just um, want to make sure I understand what you're, you're saying, we're leveraging your relationships with chefs to give them other verticals to, to create and to get their products in front of yes. people. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. I think there's a huge opportunity for, Absolutely. for uh, me to be able to provide that structure nice. for some of these, you know, these great creative chefs. Um, and I think there's Are you an looking opportunity for people. Cause I can, I can yeah. <laughs> send, a call send, to action for you. Send, send them my way, send <laughs> yeah. them my way for yeah. sure. But, um, I, and again, I think there's a really neat place for, for the restaurant industry to help, um, evolve 
and create a revolution in grocery. Mm. You know, groceries, you know, is, is going through a reckoning uh, in a post Amazon world. Mm. Right. And the idea that we can um, create more of an experiential experience in those big boxes um, and to bring some of those pieces and to bring a greater craveability. Um, so again, I go back to, I think there's a, uh, there's some really transformational, uh, opportunities. And, and, uh, you know, as I sit before you, I think, I think kind of the more interesting days are ahead. Yeah. And I'm excited about it. It is exciting. And, uh, man, I've loved this free flowing portion of the conversation. Uh, you've been a great guest. One more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll bust out a true speed round. I'm sure you felt it before, right? That pressure, that intense pressure to have your restaurant website on point. But you should have that pressure. You should feel this way because your restaurant website is so important. It is your first impression and it represents your entire brand. But here's the thing. You're not a web developer. You're a restaurant owner. So how can you be held to these standards? Well, with Bento Box, that's how. Bento Box empowers you to own your presence, profit, and guest relations, all with full support, integration, and analytics. And here's something that's really great about Bento Box is that it prioritizes website accessibility. So with Bento Box, you can get a certified accessible restaurant website that follows ADA guidelines and supports your business because this is how you show your people you care. Beyond that, Bento Box websites drive 70% more traffic. They see seven times more conversions and get five times return on investment. What else can I say? Well, how about over 5,000 restaurants in all 50 states and around the world are using this platform with its suite of tools. Head over to getbento.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you'll save 50% off your setup. Again, that's getbento, G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O.com slash unstoppable. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions no more guessing other features include detailed daily and labor data from your pos system accounts payable automation automated bank reconciliation incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food cost and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees all saving you time money and headaches take action today and find out how restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to five percent on prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5k. All right, we're back. And the first question I have for you, and I've asked you these questions before. So what we're going to okay. do is I'm going to read the answer and you're going to tell me if that's still the case. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? You said inspiring others. Is that still the case? Um, yes. I would add just one added layer, right? And Please. I think that um, um, it's not just inspiring others, but, but helping... Um, give them a, additional context and maybe um, additional grit. 
I think, I think because mm. now I've gone through more challenges and, and had to go up, you know, more hills, um, say empowering maybe that, 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 you know, that's helped inform that, um, that I can, um, provide not just, you know, um, a raw, raw speech, but more shared, a shared experience that can help, um, a lot of the people around me maybe, um, find their own inspiration, okay. which I think is more powerful than giving them their inspiration, yeah. letting yeah. them find it for themselves. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? You said not paying attention to the downside. Wow, I did. I said that. Yeah. <laughs> as, as my uh, my co-founder Ellen, um, you know, would constantly say, is that uh, I just um, have do all the fun stuff. Um, <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would say that um, um, that's probably not as accurate, you know, anymore. <laughs> I, I think I. Now do like, maybe I've learned. Maybe that was a little yeah close at the moment. There was a little naivete (laughs) I think attached to that. What is your biggest weakness today? I think my 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 biggest um, weakness today is um, is is focus. I think I'm I'm, I think I'm excited about so many things. You know, I've been reading this book Essentialism. Okay, um, uh, and deep work. Oh, that's two other two other good books. Yeah. Um, um, but now but now is focus. Uh, but, but arguably I've had enough downside that I actually pay a lot of attention to that. <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? The first time I asked you this question, you said asking about their coaching styles. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, it, it's for sure. One of the questions that I still, uh, I still use. Um, one of the other questions that I, that I really like to, um, bring up, particularly if I'm hiring general managers, which by the way, I like haven't you know technically done a general manager interview in okay. a very long time but <laughs> um but but one of my go-to questions is um uh tell me about the last time that you um hosted people over at your house and let them kind of like run through and take me through um that time and if i see um a glimmer and excitement oh that gosh. they like um having people over and i and i see a care and a thoughtfulness. It doesn't this. have to be like, it yeah. could literally have been like a barbecue with hot dogs. It doesn't have to be like this incredible food, but to actually more see their body language and how they answer that. And that they're really people that in their heart of hearts, like taking care of others. Yes. And it's a way they express love. Um, I think that's probably one of the best indicators. Now that. I've given it away. So anyone that ever interviews with me will be They'll completely, be yeah, completely ready. <laughs> Wait, is it, when is he going to ask me that question? Yeah, but, but I think it's a great question. It is a great ask, question. Yeah. I'm just thinking about my answer to that question as you go through it. So uh, I like that answer or that question. Yeah. Uh, what's your current challenge today? What's your biggest challenge today? How are you dealing with it? Um, <laughs> look, I think the biggest challenge that, that I have in this phase, you know, in my life is, um, goes back to the last one is I think that there's just, there's, there's so many things that are interesting. And I think there's so many, um, people and individuals and groups that are interesting to work with. And it's really come down to, um, surrounding myself, you know, um, with people that I'm inspired by. Um, and I think that add massive value to me. And likewise, I, I, I can provide, um, um, the same kind of compliment to what they're doing. So my greatest challenge is, is um, what's the next team? Not necessarily that I'm going to build, but what's the ne- next team that I'm going to um, be on? 
Okay. And, it, and it's and it's an interesting time in my life because yeah. well, um, I, I, I kind of have a pretty good context of, of I think, the people that I want to surround myself with um, and, and to try to do even bigger and greater things. Yeah. I think this question is relative to where, no matter where you are in your yeah. path, though, because you're yeah. the average of those you surround yourself with, yeah. right? So no matter where yeah. you are, who can I be around with? Well, I always, I've always told um, managers that you work for us or managers that... Um, you know, have sought out, or even for that matter, um, very senior people, not just managers that have sought out, you know, wisdom of like, where should I work? And I've always told them like, whatever you're doing, if you're like, you know, in your growth, in your career, don't seek whoever's paying you the most. Yes. Seek the opportunity to work with the best yes. people and inevitably like great things are yeah. going to happen. And it's super evident that right? you've been doing this your entire career because you're, you're talking about your friends with Tender Greens yeah. and uh, Sweet Greens and yeah. Nick Marsh with uh, Chopped. And yeah. Just find the people that are doing what you want to do and or yeah. who are doing the same thing as you and, and surround yourself with them. The ones that you would think are your competitors, yeah. you know, like yeah. you got, and do it together. Cause it's lonely yeah. at the top yeah. and uh, it happens in waves. That's another thing I wanted to mention earlier. You don't have to go to, if you're just getting started, you don't have to go to the best, the best go yeah. to the others who are just getting started. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who are doing the same thing that you're doing and, and come up together and yeah. you'll come up. So you go, what's the, you go faster alone, further, to, further together. Is that the, the quote? Right. <laughs> Listen, Eric, your quote, not mine, <laughs> but I like it. But, um, the first, the first time I asked you that question, what your biggest challenge was, you said, uh, what, not watering down your wise. I forgot, to, I forgot to read that, so I apologize. Oh, yeah. No, you know, it's interesting. Over the course of the last few years, we for sure um, have spent an enormous amount of time codifying why yeah. we exist. Yeah. Right? So much so, for a speed uh, round, huh? Yeah, it's very <laughs> I'm slow. I'm fine with it, but okay. uh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team the first time. You said selling happiness. Don't be, uh, sorry, don't do standard food and living a higher purpose of creating transformative relationships. You want to stick with those? Wow, that was wordy of me. <laughs> I, I, I feel it'd be offensive to add anything more to that. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your staff? You said, uh, can I make some talking room for you? Do you want to stick with that? A comment that we give, you know, for, for staff. Yeah. I, you know, th that was a busing term, you know, you know, that, that, that we give, you know, yeah. to, to make sure people know that we're My trying to create a go gathering. back to 414 and they can get the okay. full answer. All right. Well, <laughs> it's a gathering place, but I actually think that there's, that it is really powerful. If you're going to take a nugget, you know, from this, so you're just not hearing, you know, like my nonsense, but that actually creating semantics and, and, um, you know, phrases, that help define you as a brand. Um, and what I say is, is, you know, we've been very um, particular on how to differentiate our fast casual versus a lot of fast casuals that take more inspiration from fast food than casual dining. And we take far more inspiration from casual dining. Mm. And how do you become a server when taking someone's order rather than an order taker, right? And so often it's like, what would you like? Mm. Which is a very fast food experience. So I, I share this because in so many different of these points of contact, that's what we call instead of steps of service, we call them points of contact. It's moments that you're interacting with our team mm -hmm. at each one of these points of contact. What are certain phrases that help define you as a brand? Right? So, um, one of those things that we're trying to define at host or, you know, the person that is like quote unquote taking your order right? Is that they be a facilitator, Oh my right? Gosh. So, so how do they facilitate the menu? How do they craft the menu for the guest? Not just like, let me tell you what's most popular, right? What do you like? Like, 
Yes. And I can say yeah. this because I went into Mendocino's oh, did, Farms oh, yesterday. And they asked incognito. it. Incognito. And they asked it. Yes. And See? you know, I was waiting to share that. I was going to share this uh, at the very end because so many times I interview people okay. and they say they're a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And I won't say who's not going <laughs> to. Okay. But you I guys, give more credit to Steve Mincer that people still say that. You live up to it though. And I yeah. went in and you have somebody standing with a uh, an iPad or yeah. uh, I don't know what server. I think you guys are using Aloha. Yeah. Um, standing with a, an Aloha tablet yeah. and smiling. Wait, I'm like, oh, this is awkward. Like, I'm not even in the door yet. And yeah. you're already ready. And, yeah. and, and then she took me through and she, it wasn't, it wasn't a normal experience. It was a very customizable. She's like, well, what do you like? Do you like spicy? Do you like, there you go. You know, like, and, right. And, and I told her, yes, I kind of threw her a curveball. She said, do you like spicy? Do you like salads? Do you like, um, I, I think meat was maybe the other one she yeah. might have asked me. And I was like, yes. Yeah. And then she, she was like, Oh, that's not a common answer, but she handled it really well. And she guided me through the whole way. And in uh, during the first interview, you said that you're, it's almost like you, it's like you're, they want to date you. Right. When people yeah. walk in the door, if they're like they're looking to join your team, like yeah. it's not like, Oh, go stand in the corner. It's like, but yeah. that, that warmth, that love, that happiness is there. And I experienced yeah. it firsthand. So I just want to put emphasis on that. I'm selling your, your, there you go. So, man. so you, um, so you experienced it. So we yeah. created, we created like certain phrases yeah. They get to choose. Um, but, but there are phrases around, um, sending you the guest a message that I'm a facilitator mm-hmm. and I'm going to craft this experience particular to you. Yeah. Right. I love it, man. And you know, so, and we have those kind of phrases throughout, you know, the experience that you have at Amendo and I, and I go back to it. If you're going to pull a nugget, um, I highly encourage whether you're a full service restaurant or a fast casual or even a QSR that you create these semantics because again, we go back to culture. Culture is a way of speaking, mm. right? That helps define. Yeah. It's a way a group speaks and it's rituals a group practices. Yeah. I can't help but think, I have to add this onto it, but um, this touching points, is that what you call them, right? Points of contact. Points of contact. Yeah. It reminds me so much of Zappos. Uh, who's the, is it Tony Shea? The Tony one? Shea. In his book, um, Delivering Happiness. Yes. He talks about how they design their their physical spaces that people are forced to bump up against each other. Yes, and uh, I just can't help but think of that. So, I mean, if yeah. you want to get into the, the the science behind why points of contact is a better approach to this, then read yes. that book. Um, and the next question is around books. Um, yeah. You've already mentioned a bunch in this interview. Maybe I yeah. can let you regurgitate those. But last time you were on the show, you re- yeah. uh, recommended uh, fundamentals: nine ways to be a brilliant at or to be brilliant at the new basics. Uh, setting the table, obviously, the number one most recommended on the show. The Fred factor, yeah. how which by the way should be. I actually for years taught uh, a setting the table class oh, to my really? manager. Awesome. Yeah, and I think most people get distracted. Like Danny Myers is a genius in the space. The first half of the book, you know, is really telling you his experience. Mm-hmm. Don't you know? It, it's it's interesting, but you need to go back in the last half. You need to continue to read over quarterly mm. <laughs> right like the first half like get it it's, it's really yeah. great yeah. his story yeah. but then when you start learning the um, fundamentals of creating enlightened hospitality yeah. um i highly recommend for any senior level executive founder general manager assistant manager continue to go back to the last half of setting the table. Yes. You also mentioned the Fred factor, um, which I, I, you can listen to in an hour and a half in fast forward mode. Uh, I did it during a bike ride. Strong. Um, <laughs> strong. It's a short book. Yeah, it's There's good, no it's, excuse. It's impactful. Though. There's no excuse yeah. to not read the Fred factor. And then conscious capitalism, uh, liberating yeah. the heroic, the heroic spirit of business. Um, yeah. and you mentioned, we'll add the two that you mentioned before. Um, yeah. Talent is overrated with Jeff Colvin. Yep. Going deep. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
uh, deep work, deep work. Yeah. Essentialism. Yeah. Also great book. And then, uh, you know, a couple other, uh, raving fans. Yes. Ken Blanchard, yeah. uh, well, you guys got your Sheldon, homework cut Sheldon out for you listening to this. You got yeah. books for months or but, um, but raving fans, and it, it's written with a really interesting prose. Um, it's just it's it's not like your typical book. Yeah. It's like you're kind of in this fantasy, but mm-hmm. they're visiting different um, businesses and they're creating this unbelievably differentiated hospitality experience. And in fact, at one piece, um, they're dealing with a taxi cab driver, and this was book was written far before Uber or Lyft was even created. And it, and it's it's taking pieces. It, it's so it's it really is a uh, futuristic. Yeah. In the, in that regard, well, history repeats itself. So know? it's a it's a I highly recommend raving fans. It, it's 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 must reading with all of our awesome. our management team. And then um and then come this fall, uh, the coaching cure. Yeah, and maybe with Scott Greenberg we'll, and Mario we might Del Perro. Have to get that. Do you like the shameless plug? No, you just I mean, had me for an hour and a half. I might as well plug. No, man, I know. Well, you know, <laughs> I look to Joe Rogan when I think about long podcast episodes. Yeah. And one thing we learn about his uh, hospitality and food in general, it's not like it's some, good things take time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And this has been a great interview. So great. Uh, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Eric, um, it's been great. <laughs> so all these books, I'm pretty sure on are on Audible. So head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. If you are not using Audible already, it will change your life. And you're thinking to yourself, how many books were just recommended? There's no way I can get through all these books. Yeah. I promise you with Audible, you can get through all those books in at least a month's time. It makes it possible for busy people to educate themselves. So look into it. Um, please use my links. Thank you in advance. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? This is a new question. Yeah, it is. Nice. Um, well enough or often enough. Um, again, I think that a lot of, uh, restaurateurs, a lot of my peers, um, have some, um, some mild success and really, um, rest on their laurels. And I think, um, don't stay hungry and don't continue to want to, um, innovate and don't continue to want to, um, reinvent themselves and create something even more special. Um, and, and inevitably what happens is, is, you know, mediocrity affects everyone. And I, I don't, I don't wish it on any of my, uh, fellow restaurateurs. Um, but I, but I, but I see a malaise often, mm. um, you know, in brands that I actually really respected. Um, so, uh, I, I think that that's, that's probably the biggest, uh, the biggest miss. And then the flip side of that question is, you know, we continue to see these brands, that um that are breaking all the rules it's almost like if you took the old restaurant playbook and i've said this quote like you know i've now been in the restaurant business um over 20 years right and i've seen more evolution in the last three than i saw in the 17 prior i think it's because of resources like this knowledge information is traveling faster than ever before i I don't disagree yeah i don't disagree i think that the fact that um there's so many um a lot, a lot of the old playbooks are getting thrown out. Yeah, you know, so I don't think it's just change for change. Yeah, I think it's change because change was due. Mm. And um, and and the fact that um, if you're not taking the time to listen to you know to podcasts like this, and even hopefully there was a nugget here and there. Oh my god! But um, so but you know, but, but you know, I, you know, hopefully is um, you know, when I think about um, you know, how many thought leaders that we have out there to continue to find these, these nuggets and allow them to inspire what you're doing and help transform what you're doing. 
See that I was plugging your, um, <laughs> I, I think it's critical and, yeah. and those brands are the ones that are going to continue to, um, not just succeed, um, but continue to push the rest of the industry. I love it, man. Um, so I still got two more questions for you. Three more questions. But okay. They're going to be quick ones. All Name right. one service you've hired. So this is like either a design or a consulting or I don't know, a, a person that you've outsourced to, to, to take your business kind of greater. Um, does, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Antochi, um, from a supply chain, um, standpoint, he actually was introduced to us by Eric oh, at tender Greens. Nice. Um, his, his brother is the one that actually is like brought Erwan to where it is okay. today and owns it. Tony Antucci. So, um, so Michael Antucci is a third party, um, uh, basically purchasing? vendor purchasing consultant for us. You know, he's also business? a farmer himself. Oh, wow. He's the, uh, he's the guy that owns Pachamama farms oh. up in Oregon. Okay. So he's actually running a sustainable pig farm nice. and if you've seen some of our pachamama specials is often because he's like overraised too many pigs I, and we've had to like create a sandwich <laughs> to uh just, to help you know um you know you know him out but uh not only does he get it as a farmer um but he really understands he's taken an enormous amount of time years to to go deep into our brand he's traveled with us um uh, he's he's probably one of the most curious human beings on the planet. He's definitely cut from a different cloth. So those of you that know him and don't like him, um, he's he, he, you know he's a unique um, soul. But I'll tell you what his um, his his passion for our brand, his love of the vendors that we've shared with him, you know that we love, um, is is palpable. I mean yeah. he's he's been an incredible uh, partner. You know, even though he's a third party um, resource, he really has been a partner. That's, that's how you should treat those, those brand, third party. So. They, they, yeah. they should be treated as resources. I fully yeah. Agree so, um, so I would say Michael and Tochi, but there's there's so many great architects. You know, like Mendo. One of our big things is we didn't want to we want to throw out trade dress. What's right? that? Trade dress is oh. like like if I walk into a McDonald's, they all look like McDonald's. Oh, okay. Even yeah, though now I think I think McDonald's is actually breaking some of those rules yeah, and trying to make you the know, markets these, forcing them back into right? a more so soulful people, way. People people like the consistency of the menu, but they yeah. they continue to want to um, you know have these environments innovated. Um, yeah. So um, we've worked with some awesome you know um, you know Michael Shoes team. Uh, Niccolo, um, Valerio, um, incredible architects. Um, so, I mean, there's just been, there's been so many, um, that have helped influence the Mendo brand and, and created these buildings that while they have the same menu, um, uniquely reflect the neighborhood. I love it. Right. I love it. And, uh, I will link to these, um, people and these, these, uh, sure. these services in the show notes as yeah. well. Um, and then the last time I asked you about a technology, you said, why is Hill? What technology are you leveraging today that has you really excited? I mean, probably the, the most exciting technology that that, um, uh, that that I'm kind of geeking towards is I think that we're moving um, from it's, it's probably two. Sorry, I can't narrow. One is um, I think we're moving towards um, uh, payment. Okay. Um, uh, where um, you're not even gonna have to get out your phone, and it's gonna be done through facial recognition. Oh yeah. And not only are are they gonna be able to pay through facial recognition, but like like immediately identified and like what your likes and dislikes and then and as creepy as it is i mean we're already allowing our phones to unlock right for yeah. us but i think that um that face pay is around the corner yeah 
Um, is there the, a service in general that you're identifying that's doing this well? Uh, um, the, I, I think there, there will be. Okay. Right. Um, and then likewise, I think, um, you know, this idea of virtual drive throughs mm. I think this um, using geofencing technology and allowing a restaurant that it might be in line, right? Okay. Um, to be able to now be able through technology to Recognize. have a virtual drive through Okay. So you know when the person enters, which is beyond like you know, a curbside function where you just like, or you go to a parking space and you call a number or you go to a parking space and you're identified, but literally going to like a busy shopping mall. And we know when your car entered and to be able to have that. And like having a queue on like display on your POS. So you can see hundred percent like Johnny, what's going on. So there's incredible technology flyby that, that exists um, that's, that I think is groundbreaking and, and I, I couldn't be more excited. I mean, think any- about the impact of what the drive through did know. for the QSR world, uh, 1950s. Right. Right. And think about the influence it can have now that's to fast, layer particularly to fast casual. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's like the yeah. next, the next step of data for sure. Right. Uh, is there, are there any particular companies that are working on this? Like Flyby. Flyby is the name of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, Incredible group of guys. Thank you. Um, and they're doing really good work. And I think excited. it's a, I think it's groundbreaking. All yeah. right. This is the last question. I okay. Think, I don't think you got it the first time. I think it might be. A I didn't one. get it. Like I got it wrong. Well, or, I don't oh, think oh, you I didn't give it, it to me. Well, let me double check. It. I don't know if this is relatively new. Actually, no, you did get this one. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Um, it was around this time that I started asking this, but question. it just wasn't a really good answer. So, to <laughs> no. so the last time I asked, uh, it, the question is if you had the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you can leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Your answer to that was, be a student of life. I think that hasn't changed. Seek out mentorship and start with your whys. Do you stand wow. by that? Um, I'm going to stand by those. Nice. For sure. Nice. Um, I'd obviously been more prepared <laughs> you're you've been an incredible but I'll, I'll go ahead and stick with those three nearly sure. two hours maybe over two hours of recording okay. and i uh, just longer than usual but you were uh. willing and generous with your time uh so thank you so much uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out so who's one person you respect and admire you've already mentioned a handful during this conversation yeah i know for for sure there's you know there's, some, <laughs> there's is there one or two that come to mind that i should get on the show um, yeah, I think that there's, um, there's a few, you know, I think, uh, Tony Owen, um, is doing some, uh, incredible, uh, um, investments, um, in the restaurant space and is working with a lot of founders. Um, I think he's an incredible person for you to seek out. Um, you know, likewise, um, I would definitely go back to Nick Marsh because yes, I think be he's doing, sure. he's doing some super cutting edge stuff with founders table. And I think that's really worthy of, um, of, of going deeper, yeah. you know, on, on what Nick is accomplishing or actually, um, aspirationally has set out. That's, um, it's, it's, it's groundbreaking. Um, so that was Tony, Nick. Yeah. And I, I would actually go, uh, I would seek out, uh, a Donald Moore okay. at cheesecake factory. He's one of the, um, wiser people in the, in the restaurant space. Um, definitely one of the greatest students. Yeah. Um, it's someone I continually, um, while while he's both a peer, um, I consider him also a mentor. I love it. I would seek him out as well. So Tony, um, yeah. and then and then I said you should go. To, you definitely want to talk to Kimball Musk. Yes, Kimball's okay. got some interesting uh, um, revolutionary ideas around um, food and food accessibility. 
All right. Okay. Look out, fellas. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. Thank you. And um, the only other thing I want to do before we say goodbye is I want to leave this episode with how we started the first episode, okay. which was uh, giving a nod to um, Chris Dimmick. So, yeah. and, uh, but most importantly, I want to give a nod to you okay. because, and I want to appreciate you because uh nice see how you made that full circle yeah. that was well done <laughs> so chris just opened his first restaurant yeah and uh when i told chris that i was because he chris first um put you on my radar and said, okay you gotta get oh oh yeah, yeah. on okay. the show and i listened to him and i got you on the show and i i messaged him last night saying i'm getting mario back on the show and we started talking you know i knew he was opening his restaurant and uh I just want to acknowledge you and appreciate you for being what most of us should be doing in our careers, our mm. businesses, which is giving other people the tools and the inspiration, and the ability to go on and do their own thing. And he's doing it. And you had a huge impact. He told me personally that you had a huge impact in the man he is today and mm. um, shaping and forming the man he is today. And we need more people like you doing that. So I want to acknowledge you and make an example of you in this moment. Cause that was pretty wow. rad to see that all that, kind of come full circle. That's, that's very kind. Yeah. Very kind. They said that very kind that you shared it and I'm, I'm, I'm humbled. Great. <laughs> so, um, thank you again yeah. for taking the time to come join us. No, and, I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I think it's important. Yeah. And the last time you shared your contact information is it's, it's, you gave the, your email. So can I, say yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, and honestly, cause, uh, you know, I, I, I don't check that email <laughs> okay. as much. Um, uh, you know, my email now that it's best is Mario, M A R I O underscore Del Perro, D E L P E R O at yahoo.com. That's just my like every day. Got it. And yeah. uh, maybe your chef out there um, who wants, yeah, has badass products. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Use yeah. that email. Reach um, out. Okay. I have to say it. There is no questioning, Mario. You are unstoppable. Uh, <laughs> well, Jeez. thanks, Eric. My, my pleasure. What did I say? What an incredible episode. I'm so happy I got Mario back on the show. Just tons of great stuff came from today's conversation. And the reason why I wanted to get Mario back on the show, because I knew talking to him way back in episode 414 uh, that uh, he thought a lot like me in the sense that I I personally think that the secrets to success in this industry aren't going to come from looking and peering and projecting into the future. But peering into our past, studying human evolution and trying to really figure out how we got to where we are and why we evolved the way we have evolved and looking at how we interacted in cultures before uh, and really breaking down what it is that makes us uniquely us. And if we can crack those codes, we can learn those lessons. uh, We can apply them to life in business going into the future. And the lessons that came out of today's conversation is just understanding how language and how we speak to each other impacts culture and really being mindful of the, the, the words we use and how we talk and interweaving that language into our culture uh, and then building these rituals around our core values to make sure they're being echoed every day to bring these things to the surface daily and highlight them and work them into our system so that they just become a part of us and I mean, I just have to bring attention to that. And again, I think the the power of coaching too in this coaching by the numbers and Mario got into the details of coaching by the numbers. I'm really excited for his book. I cannot wait for it to come out. You better believe 
we'll be uh, getting him back on the show to dive into the the details of that book and just great stuff today. Uh, so if you guys are enjoying this podcast and want to support it, the best way you can support it is by sharing the word. Anybody and everybody you know who is aspiring to be great in this industry, put this podcast on their radar. The and I, I'm making it easy for you. And I have to thank Jared for this. Uh, Jared has been going to town on YouTube, creating short, shareable, digestible clips. Head over right now. If you found value in this episode and you're a knucklehead and you're lying to me, if you told me you didn't find value, because I know this one was packed, head over to the show notes, scroll down on your player right now and link to, or click on the link to YouTube and start sharing those clips. Uh, let's spread the word about restaurant unstoppable. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thanks for around this long until next time peace out